knows the score. He gets the women. And he kills the bad guys. But they soon realize... He's coming after us. They just... With the wrong Mexican. Suspense. Action. Emotion. Please, Father, have mercy. God has mercy. I don't. If you're gonna hire a machete to kill the bad guy, you better make damn sure the bad guy is you. Machete. seconds after the hour of 11, and this is the month of February in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970, Solid State Radio. Uh, this, me amigos, is the Rick Emerson radio program. Uh, thank you for joining us today. It is Tuesday, and uh, welcome to Day 12. Hope you had a satisfying presidential holiday. Uh, We'll uh, recap a couple of the things that happened yesterday, if you weren't here, uh, and then we'll uh, plunge on ahead boldly, as only we can do. It's 503-733-2970, if you would like to uh, join us today. 503-733-2970, with your comments, your uh, questions, your clarifications, your questions, your two cents, uh, your whatever. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, the loco. It's 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It is rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Uh, Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T at 970.am. It's honestly just that simple. All right. Uh, 
So first things first, uh, let's talk about uh, what's coming up today. Uh, we have seen the radio correspondent James Roop, who will be joining us from Los Angeles. By the way, in case you weren't uh, weirded out enough by that story that they're recalling 146 skillion pounds of beef or whatever that is. Didn't bother me a bit. <laughs> Him sleeps soundly as ever. Um, I have something to make it even more vile and off-putting. And it's not that hideous video of that cow being pushed around by a forklift. First of all, how much do you want to see that guy driving the forklift taken out somewhere and beaten with a hammer? Jesus. A guy was calling the a guy called the Dennis Miller show this morning though, and he did make a pretty a pretty interesting observation, which is you know, boy it sucks. I mean it's not like life inside a slaughterhouse is all the peach fuzz and daisies for cows to begin with. You're a cow and you're just like, Well, here I am. Yes, I'm gonna be killed and eaten. Things can't get much worse for me. And then some idiot comes along and prods you with a forklift. Shove me around the floor of a slaughterhouse before they cut off your head and stick you between two buns. Jesus. Well, better luck on the next uh, turn of the karmic wheel, my bovine friend. Anyway. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I haven't watched it because i got a limited tolerance for seeing, uh, you know, for seeing cows shoved around with anything. There's some guy in a forklift. There's some cow that's having a bad time of it. I know. Let's just get the forklift and shove him, shove him into the grinder. So you really want to see that guy yanked out of the forklift and just taken out and, and dealt with appropriately. Anyway, uh, what was my? Uh, I had some point about this. Oh, so in case you weren't horrified by the whole meat, by the meat yanking uh, to begin with, I got a, uh, I got a great email about it. And by great, I mean revolting. So we'll, uh, I got it right here. We'll get to that in just a few. In fact, I can't, I can't wait. I'm going to give you just a couple sentences here. This is from CNN.com. Now, when they say that there's 146 million pounds of beef or whatever it is being recalled or taken off the market, it, it, like me, like most of it, I think you, you probably just think of, you know, the happy little pink packages at the Safeway that's just your ground round or whatever, just the stuff that your mom mashes up and sticks into spaghetti or whatever it is you're cooking with. Not so. This is from CNN.com. Here are some of the items being recalled as part of this uh, part of this meat yanking. Various weight boxes, and they're all Hallmark brand. And I'm assuming that's not Hallmark of the, uh, you know, uh, of the, you know, for the expectant grandfather Hallmark. Various weight boxes of Hallmark meat packing beef tripe. Various weight boxes of Hallmark meat back meat packing. Beef feet. Beef feet. I think that just means hooves. I mean, maybe I'm wrong about that. How about this? Various weight boxes of Hallmark meat packing beef tails. How about something else? How about various weight boxes of... Just in time for the holidays. Various weight boxes of Hallmark meat packing beef tongue trimmings. That's in case, like, the, the buy a star thing is all booked up for this week. You bought me a box of beef tongue trimmings? And we call ourselves a civilized people. <laughs> uh, uh, so, like a bunch of peasants. So we'll have, it really is like, it, it, is, it is just like that. I mean, it's literally one step above just big crates full of head cheese. Anywho, uh, so we'll read the rest of that later because it's amusing. Uh, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop will be joining us today from uh, Los Angeles where he's talking about that. He's talking about Nancy Reagan who is defies the Reaper for yet another day. Uh, I guess he's picking up his credentials for the Oscars, which are coming up this Sunday. He's picking up Nancy Reagan. Well, she is single. 
Uh, let's see. Uh, Bob Costantini uh, will join us today. Bob Costantini uh, will be joining us to talk about uh, the death of the HD DVD format. Because we were just lamenting the other day, and we didn't know what the F we were talking about. There's just somebody who went Blu-ray, and Blu-ray is a terrible name for a technology. Blu-ray just doesn't make any sense. Like, you hear HD DVD, and at least you kind of understand what that means. You sort of, you sort of instinctually understand what the technology is about. Blu-ray just sounds like some sort of bad straight-to-DVD sci-fi film starring James Caan. So I don't know. Anyway, so we'll talk to uh, Bob Costantini about that. And uh, we will talk to CNN Radio correspondent Ed McCarthy about Fidel Castro, who, quote, announced, end quote, his resignation. As pre I guess he, I mean, he's still, I don't know if it's like a Bill Gates thing where he's stepping down as the leader, but he's going to be on the board of directors of Cuba or something. But he's handing the, the reins over to his brother, Raul, uh, who will now be... Uh, now be leading that island prison. Uh, what else? Uh, we'll have a, a religious nutcase watch coming up today. Um, uh, we have a, a big announcement about the show that we'll get to here in just a, a few minutes. So we'll do that here in just a uh, just a skosh, just a smidge. Anywho, it's 503-733-2970 or uh, rick at rickemerson.com. And I think we're going to uh, grab Peter Carlin for the Oregonian uh, later on today as well. Working on the following stories for your amusement and edification is Tim Riley. So Fidel gives his notice. He's tired of being the Cuban president. Or is he already dead? That's a big question. Streaking across the sky, a meteor flies over Portland. Happened early this morning. Stolen pepperidge bomb stuffing mix is found safe. There's been another meat cleaver murder this time in Texas. You cannot find out who's Googling you. I thought you could do that all along, but apparently more and more people are doing it. And because they had so much fun in the last one, Washington State is having another primary today. I don't understand how that's the case. I thought they just, they did a caucus. Yes. Does everybody, this is one of those things where as much as I try to be... And I asked Lacey and she didn't know. Well, no. She didn't even know who the ad council was. I try to understand these things, but it does sort of outstrip my knowledge sometimes. So does every state get a caucus and a primary? No. Tim? No. 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 So... Some do, some don't. So Washington had a caucus. Now they're getting a primary. Yes. Washington, by the way, who's they really have proven experts at squandering their votes in the past. See 1980, when I do believe they all voted for Pat Robertson. That was a uh, that was a ballot well used. Anyway, all right. So I think I just ripped my pants. I'm not entirely sure though. Do you ever like what part of your pants? You know the panty part. <laughs> the part that part that covers me. The panty part. You know the part that covers me. I'm just. The oh part boy. That covers no, me. no, do you ever like bend over? You reach down to get something, and you know, like you, you got a seam or something in your pants. But I, I just, I dropped my pen just now, and I reached over to pick up the oh my, my pen. Oh my god! You need to get back on your bicycle immediately. No, it's. You reached over to pick up your pen, and your pants ripped. I don't know that they ripped. I can't find a tear. But you know what I'm saying when you, we've all had jeans or pants or whatever ripped, and there is that sensation, like that you can tell when your pants or an item of clothing is ripped. You can sort of, you know, there's sort of a vibration that goes through the fabric, and you go, oh, oh, what was that? Oh, I just ripped something. And it's like I, I just bent over to get my pen, and I swear to God, it's like I felt my jeans rip somewhere, but I can't, I, A, I can't seem to find the rip, and B, the longer I look for the rip, it, the more it looks like I'm giving myself some kind of prostate inspection here in the studio. So that's kind of awesome. Or a wedgie. <laughs> do people do that anymore? Do people give each other wedgies? I would imagine school kids do, don't they? That's like, a, that's like Indian burns. Do people still give each other Indian burns? What about noogies? Are noogies still given? Also, there's that thing you do. It's kind of, it's, it's not really a, an Indian burn, but it's that thing where you would, you would uh, um, close your arm up and then a guy would... Uh, 
like my dad would do this. He would have you sort of flex your arm and bring it close to your chest, and then he would do this thing where he would uh, uh, rub his hand around and it would sort of it would sort of stick all your hairs together. And then if you extended your arm again, it ripped all the hair out of your arm, which is a thing that only dads and older brothers really find funny. It is kind of odd the things we do to our children that we somehow think are amusing. Now that I think about it, that's a little bit mental, actually. I or mean, like grabbing grandpa- dandelions on. Well, well, but I mean, at least that's sort of charming because it gives your skin like an interesting... Like if you're a girl, you might find that, I don't know, maybe pretty or something in some way that you get like, you know, like a little yellow tint on the underside of your arm. But if you hold... My grandfather would just hold me down and give me noogies. What the hell is that about? Why is it considered amusing to inflict low-level pain on on children? That is misguided. All right. I got to think about that. Uh, Joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah Dillon. Hello. How are you doing? Hi, I watched once again yesterday. You watched once twice. I've watched once no twice. No one was listening yesterday, so I have to use that joke again. I have to use that joke <laughs> Yes, because it was twice. so good the first time It's a hilarious joke. I can't even take credit for it. Susan Reynolds said that. Um, you know they are going to be performing at the Oscars on Sunday. Yeah. The guy and the girl. Uh, they will be singing Falling Slowly, which is sort of, the, in my opinion, the, the standout track from that. It's one they use in all the trailers. Mm-hmm. They're going to be singing that at the Academy Awards on Sunday. So that right there is reason enough to watch. I will be watching that. Yeah. So, uh, and it's nominated. I, fr- I forget who the other nominations are for best score. It doesn't really matter because that ought to win. So, and the guy who did uh, There Will Be Blood got shafted out of a nomination. So, it doesn't really matter. Huh. How are you? Good. I did nothing exciting last night. Yeah, you're on like a whole sleeping for 10 hours at a stretch kind of I don't of a know thing. what is going on with me. Well, because I, I went out all weekend and then, I don't know, I think I'm, uh, all my, a lot of my friends are sick. And pregnant. Ew. No, nobody's pregnant anymore. Mm-hmm. They're unpregnant. They're they've unpregnant. All, they've they're all recently <laughs> unpregnant. And at drinking. Least I, don't, I don't think anyone's pregnant. No, they've all, they've all had their children. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I'm fighting off something because I can never sleep for that solid of a period of time. And you and said I, you were having weird, uh, like, strange, epic dreams. I was dreams. having crazy dreams last night, and I'd wake up, and then I'd, they would and I'd fall back asleep, and they would continue, and they were just really messed up and just dark and disturbing, and I don't like my own mind right now. No, it's, and it's one of those things where your dreams are not the, the, the blah, 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 go on about dreams again, but it is, dreams are sort of, they're sort of freaky because you can't really get away from them. Like, if your brain... It's like that whole Nightmare on Elm Street thing. You know, there's really no getting away from your dreams. If your brain decides to switch on a dream, there's not a whole lot you can do about it. Mm -hmm. Even when you are sort of in the midst of the dream itself, even if you are one of those lucky people who sometimes realizes that you are dreaming, and I I never do, you always hear about that people are having a dream or some sort of a nightmare, and they realize in the dream that it's just sort of a sleep state. And I'm never that guy. Uh, I'm always the guy that wakes up going, ah, bunnies, you know, just terrified about whatever it is that I was, because I can never separate the two while I'm asleep. But on Sunday night, I had that bizarre dream where Barry Manilow was sitting, and it sounds like a joke, but where Barry Manilow was sitting in the chair in the corner of my bedroom watching my wife and I sleep, not doing anything, not speaking, not talking, not singing, not dancing, just sitting in the corner watching us sleep. And it was one of those things where I was asleep, but I was somehow able to see Barry Manilow watching me. And even as I say this, it sounds like some sort of a made-up dream. whole thing's just creepy. All right. Uh, well, in any event... Oh, and, and, and tonight we have bowling, so oh, that's yeah. going to be my exciting night. And by the way, uh, we're going on now day, I think, six or seven of someone having stolen Sarah Wagner's soup bowl from the CBS kitchen and not having returned it. So somebody in the building has a soup bowl that is not theirs, something that does not belong to them. We're going to have to start war- waterboarding around here. <laughs> a den of thieves is what it is. <laughs> um, now I'm afraid to bend over to pick up anything for fear my pants really will will rip. Okay. I thought you said they did rip. No, they, well, I, I felt well, we, them. You can check in the, at the I commercial. can't really. Well, but see, then I don't want to walk out the hallway and be all tackle out, you know? I just, uh, I can't seem to find the rip. I think maybe I imagined it. 
Maybe it was my immense girth, and it was some sort of a psychosomatic rip. That's okay. It's bad enough today that I am uh, I I am actually wearing I'm wearing black socks today because I got the black dress shoes. But I am actually wearing my wife's black socks today. I couldn't I couldn't find my own. Did you ever have this thing where? And this isn't like the old thing where one sock always vanishes. It's not just that. It's that a whole class of clothing will vanish from your laundry pile or your wardrobe and you can't find it. By which I mean this. There will be days sometimes, and I've got two types of white T-shirts. I've got uh, the kind that is, what do you call it, a crew neck, you know, where it's just like the regular collar around your neck, like, you know, from the gap or whatever. And then I've got the V-neck, which is what I'm wearing uh, today, which basically, so you don't want it to be seen, but it's, you know, it's, you know sweat or, you know, whatever. Um, I will go through days where one type of those shirts, either the crew neck or the V-shirts, will all vanish. And it, and you sit there and you're going through maybe a pile of dirty clothes that are to be laundered, or you're going through a pile of clean clothes, and you get to the point where you are going through your clothing one item at a time because you know that they have to be in there somewhere. You're sitting there going, where? It's like when you want a particular shirt or you're trying to find a particular uh, you know, pair of pants or something to wear on a given night. And it does seem like some laundry spirit has come down and taken that item and hidden it in Nepal, where you will never locate it. And I will sit there, and it's always when I have about nine minutes to get out of the house because I'm running late. And for some reason, I've decided, no, 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 I have to wear my purple shirt with the white pinstriping. There's just no two ways about it. And that's the day that that shirt, uh, alone among all my clothing items, can't be found. And I'm so OCD about it that I will sit down and I will start taking one clothing item at a time and setting them on the other end of the room so that it can't, like, escape my notice. And then I still never find it. And then, when I'm not looking for it, a day or two later, there it is, right in the middle of the living room. No reason. Just back. I'm trying to be relatable. This happens to everybody, doesn't it? Yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> I can tell when I'm being placated. Fine. Anyway, that's okay. It's like I went to see a Wednesday 13 at Satyricon on Saturday, and there was this great moment where someone stole the set list off the stage right before the show was about to start. So there was the, you know, the opening bands, and then they, they lowered, you know, the guy comes out and he sets up the microphones and they put out the little bottles of water and all the stuff they do before the show is about to start. And then there's just this long pause, and then somebody gets on the mic and says, Would whoever stole the set list from the microphone at the front of the stage, please, we can't start the show until the set list gets... Just, we'll all turn around and look the other way. Please put it back. And, of course, no one ever believes you when you say that. That's one of the great unbelieved statements of our time. When they say, look, if it's returned, there'll be no questions asked. Well, if you, th th no one ever believes that. That's why no one will return Sarah Wagner's Soup Bowl. No one really believes that if you return it, all is forgiven. I keep looking in the cabinets for her like somebody will bring it in and like shove it in one of the upper corners. You know what? I'll guarantee you right now, if you went in there right now and you saw somebody from here returning that Soup Bowl, it would not be no questions asked. You wouldn't keep it to yourself. You would immediately run here and tell everybody who stole the Soup Bowl. That's just human nature. That's how it works. So it goes without saying that nobody returned the set list. We had to wait like another 15 minutes. And then at a couple moments throughout the show, Wednesday would just go, I don't know what we're playing next because somebody stole my set list. And then he would <laughs> sort of look like with a puzzled uh, expression on his face at the drummer. A couple other concert notes from Saturday. And I didn't get to these yesterday. But um, first of all, it was just a great show. And, it, boy, you ever want to feel old, though? And maybe this is a thing that doesn't quite apply to you, Sarah, at this point. I mean, you're still young enough that you can, you can pass as one of them. 
Jesus, if you ever want to feel just freaking ancient, go to a show like that. That is, I mean, it is large, you know, it's all lipstick and metal lunchboxes. Well, a lot of shows that's here come, they have some all-ages shows, so this yeah, was, I feel really old. This was an all-ages show, and it was, and even though Wednesday 13 is very much rooted in the old, he clearly comes from the tradition of Alice Cooper and Kiss and, you know, sort of theatrical rock. There's still a young band, and so I would guess the average age in that crowd was 19, maybe, or 20, and then there's me. You know, and I'm standing at the back, you know, like a poindexter. Um, boy, there was just some of the worst stage banter I've ever heard from some of the opening acts. There was this band called the AKAs that opened for them. were just terrible. And one of those bands that you, you hope they're great because they come out and they look kind of cool. Like they had kind of this great sort of, you know, this great sort of look where they all had like a black shirt and like black dickies and work boots and whatever. They kind of had a cool look going on. And they did this thing where when the lights came up, they didn't play right away. The lights came up and they all kind of struck a pose for a second. And it, they look kind of badass. And then they start to play and they just suck. And that's when it all falls apart. And the, the lead singer had some of the worst line. This is his opening line to the crowd. His opening line, to, I wrote this down. I sent this to myself for my feeling old again. There I am in the middle of this crowded satiricon, sending messages to myself via my Blackberry. Um, opening line to the crowd. Hey, is everybody here as horny as I am? Ew. That's what I'm saying. You can't get away with that. No Are one can local? get away with that. No. No, I don't think so. Because they're doing. It must have been one of those dollar-stretching shows. He's... <laughs> A tightwad Tuesday show? Yeah. No, he said, uh, he goes, well, we're, we're with Wednesday, you know, 13 for 37 dates. So I think they're from back east somewhere. Yeah, his opening line is everybody. And then he, and then I the swear AKAs? to you. Yeah, then he degenerated into picking out some guy in the crowd and making, he actually said at one point, that's not what your mom said last night. Anyway, biggest applause of this set. And what always happens with a band that sucks? When does the biggest applause come, Sarah? At the very end. This is our last song. <laughs> he said this is our last song. And everybody cheered, which was fantastic. Um, saddest moment of those guys' entire set, the drummer had to encourage the crowd to applaud for them at the end. Because they finished the last song, and lead singer guy, who thinks he's just the S, lead singer guy actually kind of, he does that thing of like throwing down the microphone like... You know, sort of a boom. I Brooklyn. know she lead singers like yeah. that. You know what I'm talking. And where he, where the lead singer clearly thinks that he's Jay Z, and he sort of throws down the microphone and does a what? You know, and like like he just like he just shot a three. You know, from the floor, and he throws down the microphone and goes yeah, and like puts his hands up and waits for the applause that never comes. Oh. And then no one applauds because the band blows, and the drummer actually has to stand up behind his drum kit and go. Come on! A little love! There was no love given. Um, yeah, they're from Philadelphia. Oh, they sucked. They were terrible. <laughs> it was so bad. I mean, some of the other bands were sort of hit or miss. Creature Feature was good, wrong venue for them. Wednesday 13 was, like, the best thing that's ever been. The AKAs were terrible, though. Let's see. Um, what I else? love the name Creature Feature, though. They were really good. It was not the right venue to see them in because they're really keep. Imagine, like, Danny Elfman. Um, but with uh, with a guitar behind it. It was sort of like a hard rock Danny Elfman. And it, it, really, really great. Not not the right crowd, not the right place. Um, let's see what else. Um, here's another moment that I realized I was old because I was, you know, it was a satiricon. So I'm walking by the Roseland uh, on the way. That's how you know we're local and relatable. I'm walking by the Roseland uh, on the way to Satyricon, and I get that thing where guys are stopping me in the street and go, Dude, do you have a ticket? And I know that they're not talking about the Wednesday 13 show, because there's no... I, I can't believe I don't think it's sold out. So I had no idea 
But as I got closer and closer to the Roseland, more and more guys asking me for tickets, and I realized I had no idea what they were asking me for tickets for. And that's another one of those you're old and out of touch moments. Because clearly there was some happening show at the Roseland on Saturday that I was like completely oblivious to. Had no idea. But but then as I pass by, I just see a bunch of guys wearing shirts that say things like Cottonmouth Kings. And that's how you know that it's a show I couldn't possibly be in. Like whatever it might have been, if there's a bunch of dudes out front in Cottonmouth Kings shirt, like, oh, you no, know, no, you no, don't. No, no, You don't really need to care about it. Uh, let's see. Well, let me just do a couple of these and then we'll, uh, and we'll take I'm still bummed. Speaking of shows, I've been, you know how I love the Mountain Goats? Yes. So my friend went to buy tickets yesterday um, for both of us. Both nights. That sucks. Both nights are sold out. Where? Where at? At the Doug Fur. Ah, uh, sorry they're, about they're that. Playing, they're playing two nights. I'm like, there's no possible way. I'm, I need to save up some money. I now wait for the last minute. Ticket. No. Well, it's not, you know, it's not for another week. And it's already sold out. That's like that band Vampire Weekend that all the kids are talking about. And I guess that they, they're supposed to be here however many weeks from now. And Davidson's like, yeah, it's sold out in nine minutes. So God. I just, yeah. I know, it's always depressing. Uh, let's do a couple of these, then we'll break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Uh, just wanted to go back to your uh, confusion about uh, that really ridiculous name, Blu-ray, yes. that they gave the That's DVD. It's a terrible name for a technology. It doesn't even It doesn't mean anything. Actually, it does, and it's pretty simple. Um, it's a, a DVD reader is basically like a CD reader, except the ray of a CD reader is or beam, laser red. beam, is red, and this is blue. DVDs is blue. Yeah. So that's it. Well, I'm not that's saying. Simple. I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't mean anything. And like, I know that there's a reason for it, but I'm saying if you go up to the average person on the street and go, "Are you excited about Blu-ray technology?" They will have no idea whether they're excited about it or not because they have no idea what it means. Like HD DVD, if the Blu-ray guys were smart, what they would do is they would continue using their technology, but they would just buy the term HD DVD because that's going to make a lot more sense to people, I think. Oh, I, I absolutely agree. And it makes more sense to just call it, like you said, HD DVD. That's Everybody knows that. Every, you just say that and you don't even have to own a DVD or a DVD player and know what that is. Everybody so. wins. Yep. Yep. Thank you. Goodbye, Rick. One more, and then we'll do our announcement, then we'll break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. What's up? What's up? Quick thing. I I got a hazy memory here. Do you guys remember a couple years ago, you guys do so many shows? I got it right here. About. I know what what you're talking about. Can I say it, or do you want me to hold on? No, go ahead and say it. I'm I'm almost positive Uh, you're talking about the sting of my hand. Mitchell Bickford. Right here, baby. Oh, damn. Mitchell Bickford Uh, has returned. Mitchell Bickford is back. I'll, I'll let Tim Riley do his wonders about the story, but uh, I, I want to make sure that I wasn't crazy. I thought, that just sounds like something on Rick. No, it's, uh, yeah, Tim will have that later on. I hold it right here in my hand. Many, many people, and I didn't get a chance to mention this yesterday. We were live yesterday, but we sort of got carried away with other foolishness. Today, uh, a Rick Emerson show favorite returns to our bosom. Uh, All right. Mitchell, oh, Mitchell Bickford has returned. I got one other thing. Yes. Uh, my buddy, my buddy uh, is an early adopter, and he's got uh, two HD DVD players. He's already tried to sell them to me. Uh-huh. And right. uh, but in my opinion, I think the Blu-ray name. Sound, I mean, when I look at HD DVD, I still think of old technology. When I think of Blu-ray, I think of something new and exciting. Maybe, just, maybe that maybe I, that's good if you're trying to swindle us all to buying new crap. So yeah, because HD DVD uses the original, you know, part the part of their logo is the old logo, and it's like eh. right. I, anyway. There maybe it doesn't seem like too much. It doesn't seem like an exponential leap, I guess. Oh, I got, and I got one other question. Maybe someone else, another caller later on can answer this. Does anybody ever download the podcast hour of the calls that they make? I'm wondering if they like. 
like review their uh, their call. <laughs> to uh, review it like you're like uh, like you're uh, Mike Ditka. You're watching film on a Saturday. All right, thank you. There you go. That's kind of that's a. I don't even know if you watch this film on a Saturday. It's the best I could do on short notice with a sports illusion. Uh, speaking of the podcast and speaking of downloading, so a couple things. A one small announcement, one big announcement. Small announcement, uh, the March toward online streaming continues. Uh, I would imagine, I say at my own peril, um, I would imagine within a couple weeks, uh, this program at least uh, will be up streaming online. I don't want to give a date yet. Uh, the rest of the station will be a little bit longer than that, but I would imagine within just a couple of weeks, uh, you, yes, you, will be able to uh, listen to the Rick Emerson Show stream uh, live as it happens. Uh, so be listening for details on that. You'll see that on the website as soon as it happens. Uh, B, uh, we will talk more about this later on in the program, but starting this coming Monday, uh, which is Monday the 25th, um, we are going to be, and be careful that I phrase this so I'm not misleading, uh, we're going to be expanding the midday show a little bit. Starting this coming Monday, uh, from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m., we're going to be doing sort of a recap of the previous day's uh, show, sort of a previously on the Rick Emerson show, uh, from 10 to 11 weekdays, because right now uh, the uh, Dennis Miller hour that plays from 10 to 11 is actually a repeat of his first hour. And who needs um, Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, but I mean, it's already played. So yeah. We basically do Dennis's whole show, and then we play his first hour again. Um, so what we're going to start doing Monday is from 10 to 11, there'll be sort of a Rick Emerson recap uh, that will take the previous day's show and basically boil it down to about an hour uh, so you can catch up on whatever you might have missed. Or maybe if you're a brand new listener or a casual listener and you feel like there's some sort of inside references or jokes you're not quite getting, it'll be a way to sort of catch up on it Cliff's Note style. So starting this coming Monday uh, from 10 to 11 every morning, uh, there will be the Rick Emerson recap, which will roll right into our regular program. So that is this coming Monday. That begins, so start listening for that. All right, we'll take a break here. Come back. Uh, Ed McCarthy around the corner, Bob Costantini, Tim Riley, and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Best phrase of the day so far from Sarah. Today's a hungry day. I don't think I brought enough food. That's wonderful. I don't think I did. I've been riding my bike a lot, and I brought a banana and a lean cuisine. That's okay. You know, even Aaron rode his bike yesterday, so I felt like a colossal tool. Hey, by the way, they're also recalling cheeks, lips, and spleens, Sarah. Ew. I mean, just in case. What is that? What? Cheeks, lips, and spleens. It's from CNN.com. CNN wouldn't lie to us. Oh, also uh, salivary glands. You enjoy that food. Let's welcome now from the South, CNN Radio correspondent, Edward McCarthy, joining us now on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hello, Ed. How are you, sir? Rick, great. We haven't talked in a while. It's Was I on the B list or what? It's been, yeah, I'm sorry, Ed. We're going to have to uh, bench you for a while while your fibia heals. Actually, I think somebody's trying to keep you guys apart because Ed wasn't even on the sheet today. That's true. You know, I should say that, actually, Ed, and I'll, in my own defense, you were not even on the prep sheet today. How about that? So uh, maybe there's somebody uh, other than myself. You you know, you, of course, are always on the A-list, Ed. You're, uh, you're a good man. You're Thank old, you. You're old school with this. But uh, your schedule, I know that in the last however many months, I kind of uh, huh, flipped, all your, over the place. flipped your schedule around a little bit. Um, so uh, so let's just let's kind of get to this, this Castro thing. So... Um, I, so Tim, of course, uh, Tim Riley, our news director, immediately floated the idea that Castro has, you know, just been dead all this time. That he's been because it's been they haven't seen him in public in well, it's been forever, right? 
You've been seeing these these pictures over and over again that uh, could be, you think, from the vault? Well, and I think it, it was there was supposed to be some sort of a celebration or something for him a while back, and he did that kind of... Uh, like I, here's the example that I was used about Fidel Castro. I remember when George Burns was about 97 or so, because George Burns is part of his whole shtick is that he was going to live to be 100, and it was, you know, they had all of this merchandising. <laughs> they had the, uh, they had this book that came out like 100 anecdotes for 100 years. They had a television special. They had a Vegas special, all about George Burns's. 100th birthday. That's right. And, you know, God, God love him. The guy lived a, a long, happy life and everything. But about when he was like 97, he had an accident where he slipped in the bathtub and had some sort of head trauma happen. And then you never saw him again, ever, uh, for like the next three years. You just never saw hide nor hair of George Burns. Fast forward three years later, they celebrate his 100th birthday, they have the TV special, they put out the book, they do whatever, and then literally like two weeks later, hey, by the way, George Burns just died. So my friends and I have always theorized that he really died at 97, and that they kept it very quiet, very secret, because part of his whole, you know, one of his gimmicks forever had been that he would live to 100, and that they just kept it very quiet, and obviously it was before the Internet, uh, and that they were able to sort of keep it under wraps until after the 100-year mark. And so my thing is... In a, that's in America where there's a free press. In in Cuba, if Castro had died like nine years ago, how would you ever know? You know, the point is out there. The uh, the conspiracy theory is there. I don't know. I, you know, I I still think he's around personally. I really do. And uh, so I guess they're handing it over to whatever his his brother like yeah, Raul Raul Castro, his brother Zeppo Castro, <laughs> running things. But I mean, even he's like seventy five, seventy seven, something like that. Yeah, he is seventy. I think seventy four years old. But what we're looking at now is you know, all these analysts saying, you know, well now it's going to change, you know, right away. Well, that's his brother for crying out loud. I, I'm not so sure we're going to have any immediate changes now uh, behind the scenes. Uh, probably if they had uh, some free elections and. Others came in, and they perhaps got the younger crowd in there running the show. It might be a different story. But everybody's looking at Cuba because it used to be a big deal to go over there and hit the casinos and have a great time over in Cuba, and then that all vanished. It's funny. My wife and I were just watching a documentary on Fidel the other day, and uh, they, they do describe that whole that whole moment of the revolution, which is really well depicted in Godfather 2, where it literally in just the space of a few days, it goes from being a place where uh, tourists from every country can go and they can revel. And there's, the laws are fairly lax about vices uh, to be in a place where, I mean, it really was just cut off from the rest of the uh, rest of the world. You, you know that George W. Bush has to be happy about this, because even though it was presumably Fidel's idea to step aside, this is, I mean, they've been trying to get rid of him for, what, ten presidents, I think, have tried to kick that guy out of there. He's outlasted everybody and uh, and laughed at embargoes and, and everything else. So, you know, the people in uh, Miami were kind of watching the pulse of that right now, and they seem to be fairly happy, but I, I don't think they'd have a real big victory celebration until Castro passed away, quite really, honestly. Really, the, the best part about this whole thing, though, is that, I mean, as really as ruthless as Fidel Castro obviously has been and really as repressive a regime as Cuba has suffered under, you do in a way have to give that guy sort of the gold medal uh, for political chutzpah, I mean for the 20th century, especially because I think it was just like four or five weeks ago that he, quote, was reelected with like 98.999% of the vote. And we were trying to figure out if there was even anybody like running against him. I mean, is, I, I, they always do that. He really is, he really is pretty, pretty great in that way. He just has no shame about it. Um,
Well, their economy may struggle, but they did a pretty good job of uh, trying to circumvent all these embargoes that they had from the U.S. I mean, they went elsewhere, and they kept things rolling. They may not be rolling in the dough over there, but at least they've been able to keep that country running. It's pretty amazing, too, that they've managed to, Cuba has managed to stay alive and stay sort of fiscally solvent, even without the backing of the USSR, who gave, because the, you know, the Soviet Union was, was their benefactor for the longest time. And I think a lot of people thought that when the Cold War ended, you know, so would go Castro. And, man, the guy just guy just hung around like a bad penny. You just couldn't, couldn't I mean, we're talking about him now like he's already dead, but... I mean, uh, anyway, it's, it, real quickly speaking about uh, elections. So, so what is it? So uh, uh, today there is what Wisconsin and Hawaii. Yeah, Hawaii is a caucus, and you know I volunteered to go there, and they they wouldn't let me. <laughs> well, you are taking one for the team is always your strong suit. Yeah. I always wanted to hop on the plane. I said, you know, I can go over there and, and cover this if you'd like. I'm volunteering right up front. It's uh, basically a caucus here, and uh, it looks as though Barack Obama has the inside track. He's going to get a lot of support because he was born in Hawaii and uh, graduated from one of the high schools there. There is this uh, high-class high school that uh, a lot of these, uh, the upper echelon go to. You know, Michelle Wee uh, go, went to that high school, and, uh, you know, a lot of them. It's, it's up uh, near the University of Hawaii, but that's for another time. And uh, Wisconsin, uh, they've got the primary, and uh, that should be uh, pretty interesting because they've got 74 uh, convention delegates for that one, uh, 20, I believe, in Hawaii. So, you know, we'll have to see how it goes. Uh, John McCain could uh, inch a lot closer to getting things done here for the nomination with these primaries uh, in um, Wisconsin and Washington. And uh, we're seeing how Huckabee will will fare. You know, he's still trying to hang in there as well. Uh, But it looks like Obama's doing pretty well uh, there as well. Uh, It has been very, very close, but uh, we'll see if uh, Obama and uh, Clinton... uh, you know, you know Huckabee is, can pull us off. Huckabee is just like one of those small, like if you're a postal carrier, he's one of those small dogs that latches onto your pant cuff and it can't really do any damage to you, but just won't go away. He just sort of stays there. So he's definitely in because he's got the crowd that he uh, he wants behind him, and he's he's hanging in. I mean, he's there's another guy that they were painting his political obituary in this uh, political race and uh, political season didn't happen. He came back. Remember John McCain? He said he was out of money. He was done. He was washed up. And, and look at him now. But real quick before we go here, I do as uh, I have to ask you this: a man. Now I forget. Are you you're not from Georgia though? Originally? Are you? No, no, not originally. Where are, you, where are you from originally? I hail originally from Connecticut. Okay, well, never mind. I was going to ask about this insane statement that that, that thing that's floating around of Mike Huckabee talking to, um, talking to Joe Scarborough, talking about cooking a squirrel inside a popcorn popper. Um, I don't know if you ever saw that clip, but he was being interviewed by Joe Scarborough, and he's like, well, you know, like most people in the South, I remember cooking a squirrel inside a popcorn maker in my dorm room, and he did paint it as this thing that, like, all people in the South did at some point. Was, was that in Arkansas? <laughs> I, 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 I think it must have been. So, And if you get a chance, if you get a chance, go on YouTube and type in, like, Huckabee and Squirrel. It well, really, it really you'll, you'll is. It. <laughs> it's pretty fascinating. Uh, we'll have to check that one out. All right, my friend. Enjoy your day. We'll talk to you soon, Ed. Thanks, Rick. There you go. CNN Radio correspondent Ed McCarthy from the South. Fantastic. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, we got uh, Bob Costantini who will join us here uh, in just a few. Tim Riley coming up at uh, noon. Uh, emails and uh, whatnot and so forth and hey, hey. Uh, Tim is tracking down 
the Mitchell Bickford thing, because we're trying to figure out if he's got a new mugshot that has been taken for this most recent arrest, or if it's still just the old classic the uh, old favorite, Bickford. Which is favored on uh, mugshots.com, on fark.com. It's like um, supposedly one of the greatest. He's one of the old, and do you remember what Mitchell Bickford's alias was the last time? I don't even remember what he got arrested for last time. I don't either. I think, oh, uh, we're forgetting, this is a thing that only like Todd the Corpse well, will like know. five years ago, though. But it was... It, as or much like as Mitchell Bickford became, that really is a guy who, that, who ought to go in our fact. Mitchell Bickford, you know what? I'm not even going to try to guess at it. I, we'll rustle up the the news stories about uh, him, and we'll maybe do it later as sort of a, uh, you know, sort of an introductory, like a history of Mitchell Bickford. If he's been busted again, we'll try to put together some sort of uh, some sort of an overview about it. Um, just a couple brief notes here, and then we'll get to CNN radio correspondent Bob Costantini here in a few. I made this note to myself. Uh, uh, the, uh, you know, this is a weird thing to say, and I, I don't even know why I wrote this down, except that it's sort of. I was flipping by the television, and I saw Ellen DeGeneres, and it was. I don't know if it was. I don't know if it was when her show was actually on, or if it was like somebody doing a, an article about her show. But I saw her on television. You know, I'm not really attracted to Ellen DeGeneres because she's in you know, a little butch for my taste and mannish and whatnot. But you know what? Whoever dresses her on that show. It really needs to get a raise. That is a well put together woman. I mean, she really who if she doesn't dress herself, whoever it is that does Ellen DeGeneres' look uh, for her oh, show. I don't think she dresses herself. Probably not. I mean, all, all those people have stylists. Man, all those people. Oh yeah, those people. And by those That's people, a... uh, no, she really does look great. Uh, I think if if I if I'm sure, I, I mean they have people who do their you know their clothes, their hair, their makeup. I just flipped by, and I actually saw, and if I was a woman, I think I would have a huge crush on Ellen DeGeneres. She really was put together pretty uh, pretty fantastically. So, I realize this sounds tremendously weird, but I'm just saying. Yes. Uh, let's see, there's that. Uh, see, now I'm hesitant to do anything, because I'm looking at the phone, and any second it's going to be Bob Costas. You still have three minutes. Is that true? Uh-huh. All right. Uh, let's see here. All right, then I will get these emails, then I will read this, then we will get uh, Bob Costantini here in just a second. Uh, let's see. This email says, Rick, I just heard your list of Hallmark Meats beef re uh, recall. He says, I find it a tad disturbing. Not the items as such. In fact, I rather enjoy foods listed on the list because every single meat product on that list is something I grew up with. Food I might consider my soul food. Um... It says, I smell yet another attempt by El Hombre Blanco uh, to poison my fellow Hispanics. <laughs> well, it is... It does seem to be, um... They do seem to be foods that maybe you're not, you know, consumed like your average McDonald's. Let me just give you the brief list here. These are these are the items being recalled uh, by the Hallmark Meatpacking Company, according to CNN. This is not a complete list, but these are the most entertaining items. Be what do you have there, Tim? A little breaking headline about this whole story. Ready? Yes. Pretty much sums it up. Most of the recalled beef has already been eaten. <laughs> oh, I'm going to die. Yum, yum. <laughs> Listen to the, the barely concealed glee. Why uh, Why have they recalled it? I don't even really understand. Well, I mean, what they were running over these poor things with trucks and things. But, I mean, why does that make it so I can't eat it? I'm not, I'm not trying to be well, flippant. No, they're, they're supposed to die nicely. But with a bolt in the head? I mean, don't they, don't they just shoot the things in the head anyway? I'm not Pretty trying much. to be gross, but, I mean... Yeah. I mean, I thought so I mean, these things must be killed for your pleasure of eating them. Mine specifically. For the pleasure of Rick Emerson. I'm just going to quickly let me run this no, down. No, I, I, I see what you're getting at. 
Yes, what is the better way for one of these poor things to die? Yeah, I, I mean, don't I don't... I'm not trying to mock the killing of animals. I'm just saying, you know, killed by a forklift, killed by a gun. Dead's dead. I don't understand why it makes it so I can't eat it. Um, here we go. Beef livers, feet, tripe, regular tripe, honeycomb, honeycomb tripe. That's yeah. the worst phrase I've ever heard. Beef tails, cheek meat, tongues, tongue trimmings. Is that like if you can't afford the actual tongue? Okay. That, little, that regular tongue's too pricey. We can only afford the trimmings today. You folks are the ones that eat this stuff. Ribs, hearts, cheeks, beef plates. I don't know what a beef plate is, but that sounds revolting. Does it hold the beef's teeth in? Maybe. Might be like beef mouth. Mm-hmm. Beef mouth. I got a bad case of beef mouth. I'm sorry, I can't get to work today. Small intestines. Small intestines. Lips, spleens, spleens. Can I tell you, I don't even really know what a spleen is. Salivary glands, lymph nodes, fat tongues. Beef blood, and finally, packages of beef bile. On that note, CNN radio correspondent, Bob. And, um, and regular folks aren't a bit nauseous just yet. They probably will be when they're finished. Hello, sir. How are, finished. You? How, yeah, are, how are you? <laughs> how's, uh, how's life? How are things in the world of Costantini? Uh, they're doing fine. Excellent. They're doing very well. Um, so uh, we, we kind of touched on this earlier in the uh, earlier in the hour, but I know they have you talking about the the HD, DVD, that whole thing. Um, here's they, a, they did? They, here's a, is, is, that, uh, is that correct? Are you discussing the HD, DVD format war? Um, well, I can actually discuss it because I know a bit about it, but that, uh, <laughs> that wasn't what they... <laughs> I'm only going on... I'm going by what the CNN prep sheet actually says that you're discussing today. I can certainly uh, talk a bit about that, well, as a matter of fact. Well, my, my only real question about it is we sort of earlier on, we sort of boiled down the difference between HD, DVD, and Blu-ray, and, and, and whatever. The thing I always wonder about this is, though, is, I mean, I always wonder what this does, like, if heads roll at the company that manufactured the losing technology. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like when Betamax sort of goes under, are there, were there a bunch of guys at, at Betamax Incorporated that, you know, that got the boot that day? Or is it, or do they just kind of go, I mean, when you introduce something like this, do you just know there's like a one in three chance it's going to fail? Well, uh, there seemed to be a one in two chance it would probably fail. <laughs> <laughs> um, because uh, Toshiba was clearly behind the... Um, HD DVD format, um, whereas uh, Sony, uh, a number of um, major studios, and including uh, the parent company uh, of this uh, corporation, uh, Time Warner, uh, just last month, and this this may very well have sealed the deal, um, Time Warner, uh, which releases the Harry Potter films and those kinds of things, was releasing films in both formats. And so they decided to go with uh, Blu-ray, as the uh, uh, DVD future of choice, or whatever you want to call it. Um, and it's uh, one of those things where they just, uh, uh, Toshiba decided to throw in the towel. Is it, um, am I going to have to like replace all of the crap I own? That's kind of my question. So i got a massive collection of DVDs. Are they going to jack me out of like $9 million to, be able to replace every copy of Tombstone <laughs> that I have? Now, they've put out... Uh, uh, in recent years, the past couple of years, they've been putting out models of uh, Blu-ray and DVD HD uh, that will uh, play with play old format discs. And this is actually something new as far as the Blu-ray format was concerned, because Blu-ray initially uh, was not backward compatible. Um, but in an effort to try to gain more of the market, uh, Sony 
and others quickly put out players that would, um, you know, could play the older version of DVDs. Whereas DVD, HD DVD, DVD HD. <laughs> oh, Lord. Look, here's the good news. After today, you'll never have to discuss that yeah. again. You'll never have to use that I, uh, phrase again. Um, uh, the, um, uh, Anyway, that that used to be backward compatible. <laughs> Is that how you're going to do it for the rest of the day? You're going to call it that that format? That be... I didn't realize I was supposed to be talking about this. You sort of turned honest. into a technological Mel Tillis just then, Bob. I I, I can't let believe. Ask, let me ask you this: What do you think that you call the show to talk about? <laughs> uh, well, it was put down for me that it was about Castro. Ah, uh, no, that's but, uh, uh, no, that's I'm sorry. Well, then I, no, but I'm I'm uh, I'm relatively knowledgeable about these things well then, and, then then this really then begs the question what did ed mccarthy with with whom we just spoke what did he think he was calling about i have no idea oh, <laughs> that i God. don't know um so i wonder if ed thought he was talking about hd dvd and cows oh yeah this is this, today is off to a flying start well in any event i my we think that castro's been dead for some time now and it seems like handing off the reins to your brother who's already like 450 years old mm -hmm. is maybe not like you know, that's not like that's not and that's not like the best way to, I think to ensure uh, you know your country's stability. But what the hell do I know? But the uh, the um, thing is, uh, it was put out by uh, John Negroponte, the Deputy Secretary of State here, uh, that the embargo would not be lifted um, as far as trading with Castro uh, with Castro's Cuba is concerned. So it's going to be business as usual here in the United States, it seems that way. Is W going to try to take credit for uh, for toppling the evil empire that is Fidel? No. I, I doubt that he would because um, uh, Castro has been ill for some time. And frankly, uh, Raul Castro, whose brother, who's likely to take over, um, isn't expected to make significant changes as far as uh, the openness of the society. The uh, any, any attempts to democratize there uh, tend to be quashed pretty quickly. Um, and I don't know how they're doing as far as getting their uh, Blu-ray or HD DVDs in, Castro, in Castro's Cuba. Way to bring it all around, Bob. You're a game day player. Look at you. To his credit, the, uh, the uh, head of Toshiba, Atsutoshi Nishida, um, came out very quickly about this uh, today. And I just, again, to bring it around, um, he came out quickly uh, once it was determined that Blu-ray was pretty much going to win this battle. Um, and uh, they, uh, you know, he said, we're, we're going to stop uh, moving towards this. We are going to continue. We're going to stop manufacturing anything that's new. We will continue to back the format a bit because uh -huh. some, uh, you know, umpteen thousand people in this country and around the world chose poorly. Had, uh, you know, picked HD DVD and they uh, did not uh, get their wish. The price you, you pay for <laughs> the price you pay for being an early adopter, Bob. That's correct. All that right, correct. Well, I'm sorry to have made you talk about technology today. I look, I, I do know a bit about this. <laughs> I know a lot about HD no, 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 I, and TV I, transitions. I appreciate the fact that you're actually sort of you're sort you're actually giving me even more information than I had hoped. I I, I do, you're you're over delivering, Bob. Uh, all right. Are you six hundred thousand uh, in North America bought HD DVD machines? Why do I get the feeling you're going to call the show about every nine minutes today, giving me more information on yes. HD DVD? Well, uh, uh, are you uh, are you on the clock tomorrow, sir? I'm on the clock tomorrow. All yes. right, then we will uh, undoubtedly. Would you like to throw in a final HD DVD uh, fact before we go? Maybe. No, but I'm not sure which of the presidential candidates which they chose uh, HD DVD or Blu-ray, um, and whether Castro 
um, had, had picked a format. I'm By the way, sure. just before we go, just because I feel bad that you got <laughs> thrown underneath the bus on this today. Not um, at all. No, no, no. Here's 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 a little gift from Rick Emerson to you. All right. Uh, what you can start doing if the if uh, the primaries today if if, if, if by the end of the day, if somebody's really shaken out, like Huckabee, maybe, yeah. you can begin referring to Huckabee as the HD DVD of presidential HD candidates. Version, yes. There you go. Or you can say McCain is the Blu-ray of 2008. I just did a podcast of yesterday about the digital TV transition, and uh, this is one of those things that I've actually going on a lot about in terms of turning off the old analog TV system to go to digital system. So um, these are things that I do know a bit about. We so, believe we believe you, Bob. <laughs> All right, enjoy now we can just convince my wife to get one. <laughs> enjoy the rest of your day, Bob. <laughs> All right. Bye. There you go. There you go. Jesus. And poor Ed McCarthy probably thought he was calling up to talk about sunflower seeds or something. Jesus. To this call, and then we'll break. Come back with Tim Riley. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, Rick. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Tim, you smug bastard. Uh, <laughs> no, about the... Uh, I don't uh, think Jim can hear you, but that's okay. Oh, well, at least I got that in there. Hey, uh, the FDA... He said he really was a big care. fan, Tim. The, the FDA he doesn't really care uh, how, how uh, humanely the, uh, the cattle are, are slaughtered. What they care about is that they're still healthy enough to walk when they're slaughtered. But Why? Because things like mad cow disease cause them to not be able to walk. You know, no one gets mad cow disease. Well, has anybody? Yeah. Here, no one here has gotten mad cow. That's one of those things they well, talk no, about. But when people get it, Rick. Name one. Name someone who got mad cow well, disease. I don't know that, anybody that, personally. That guy, that William Shatner character on uh, Boston Legal. <laughs> okay, thank you. Bye. Bye. All right. Hi, Tim. Are you preparing news for us? Yes. It's very exciting. It All is. right. Let's take a break here. We'll come back. Talk about, uh, you know, whatever. Maybe we'll just try to fold in an HD DVD conversation, you know, like once once per hour. <sighs> stay there. Tim Riley returns in mere moments from the Ministry of Truth. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. And by you guys, I mean Sarah. You guys missed the uh, the breakfast on Friday. No, I I got my free pancakes. Did you get pancakes, Tim? Did you take part in the pancakes upstairs? I was not given free pancakes. Those were great. I got a banana pancake. Oh. And then I had a regular pancake. Now, were you not offered pancakes? Did no one tell you? I was not offered pancakes. Oh. Now I feel bad. I thought an email went out about it. Oh, don't. I'm always left out of things. I just knew because Kristen told me. I, there was no pancake email. Well, you might not have been able to eat them anyway. They were probably not vegan pancakes. Well, that's they probably had eggs in them. Yeah. You know, it's because it, it, I was just saying the other day that sitcoms are to blame for fostering this image of the workplace as, as you know, a place where you just want to hang out all the time, uh, where everything, every day is a wacky, fun-filled adventure. And then on fr Friday really was one of those days because upstairs, for like no readily apparent reason, somebody brought in like a huge like a plug-in skillet, and I came in at about 8.30 on Friday, and somebody was just, they were up there just cranking out, like, pancakes and bacon. 
Just shoveling. And they brought tons of juice and cups. Yeah, and like I walked through the sales area and said, welcome to work. Have some bacon. It's all very. I think it was cutlery. We have no cutlery at all. No, all you have are those weird miniature. I have the weird mini. Didn't some cooking pork. school used to do that for KWJJ way back when? I do believe so. I believe there's some culinary institute that used to come in. And Wasn't they would... for us. They you would just have to be one. No, 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 never for us. They would come in and cook for Mike and Amy. Oh, uh, that's right. And yeah. then they would, as with everything, as with everything in our then relationship with KWJJ, we would just get their scraps. We would just get their leavings. No, 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 you can't have a station vehicle, but why don't we send KWJJ's vehicle out to your event, Rick Emerson? <laughs> oh, that's a great idea. Can you please? How about we hang some KWJJ banners at your event, Rick Emerson? That's wonderful. Thanks. Have one of Mike Chase's leftover pancakes. Uh, at the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. A meteor streaks across the Portland sky. Happening at around the 535 this morning, there were many reports seeing a bright flash or a fireball in the northwestern sky. Now, pilots reported seeing it there were reports of this all the way to Spokane. There were calls across Washington State, parts of Oregon, southeastern British Columbia, all at the same time. Why, as far as Idaho, the Potato State. Caller said it resembled summer lightning, a rocket, a satellite. Oh, maybe we knocked something else out of the sky. I was going to say. Maybe this is uh, a little trial <laughs> thing that we're not being told. Maybe we blew something else up by mistake. Mm -hmm. Maybe that was just sort of a... Uh... Maybe somebody put a box of donuts on the start button. <laughs> Of the missile that's supposed to blow up that satellite. Instead, we blew up a Russian MiG. I was, I was just going to say maybe we blew that Soviet space station out of the sky by mistake. I don't know. Just, just try it. Just aim it at anything. We're just testing. It seems awful strange to me that this happened about this time. Well, because isn't it tomorrow night that we're supposed to shoot down that satellite? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I think we understand what's happening here. I think it's already happened. Yes. <laughs> I, well, I mean, that Were does beg the question, will the satellite shoot down be visible tomorrow? Yes. So well, we'll be, is it one of those things where they say, with the naked eye? Like You're supposed to drill a hole through a shoebox. No, that's for an, it through the naked eye. No, that's for an eclipse. <laughs> True. <laughs> but it, that doesn't even make any sense, drill a hole through a shoebox. Yet everybody does it. Everybody looks for something through a shoebox hole. <laughs> How many people have fallen you, for that? This, you, you sound like one of those I'm lyrics. I'm looking at youth one right now, Tim. <laughs> you, you sound like a, like one of those uh, Beatles lyrics well, there, from there the are, White Album. Dig a pony. There are cheap ways around to go to pay less and buy a cheap pair of shoes, and there you have a shoebox. Cut a hole in it, look into the sky, and see if you see it. Goo goo gajoob. It landed in Walla Walla, apparently. <laughs> What was left of it? The meteor? Yes. Okay. Uh, they said uh, it was about 55 miles south southwest of Walla Walla. They heard a sonic boom and felt a shock not long after seeing that streaking meteor. Wait, so let's back up for a second. Back on the shoebox business. <laughs> so I... It'll the... injure your eye unless you look at things in outer space without a shoebox. But I don't think it's things. I think it's just, what do you call it? The sun. Oh, the sun, yeah. I think that the deal is... Now, are you supposed to take... Now, I don't even remember. You're supposed to take a, a shoebox. Mm -hmm. Are you supposed to look through wax paper or something? Probably. Or nobody ever does uh, it, Or right. tinfoil or visqueen or whatever. And somebody must know all the science. That's stuff. the thing that you're then, if only somebody from uh, OMSI would speak to us, uh, that's the thing I think you're supposed to look through the shoebox and then through wax paper mm -hmm. to look at the eclipse so that it doesn't, you know, like burn your eyes out or whatever. 
Um, maybe we should get this Umzi planetarium manager named Jim Todd on. No, he won't talk to us. He won't talk to no, us. No, nobody, they all, nobody there likes us. Well, what happens is, according to Jim, when a solid object enters the Earth's atmosphere, it interacts with air molecules. It heats up to over 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit, and it begins to glow. Therefore, it's called a meteor. He goes on to explain that uh, when the meteor is brighter than the planet Venus, it is called a fireball. So Venus is the one that decides what this thing is called. So how is a meteor different from a shooting star? We don't have shooting stars, hardly ever. A bright fireball will produce meteorites on the ground. A fast fireball can last a few seconds and will break up into pieces. So a meteor landed in Walla Walla last night. Uh, 55 miles south, southeast of Walla Walla. That is. Found by Jordy Verrill. Mm-hmm. So this is... So then fast forwarding to tomorrow. So then it, it, it's if, all done. This is it. <laughs> Maybe this is this is like when my uh, you know like if your dad is pulling out one of your teeth or pulling off a band-aid or something and he would do that that thing from like the road warrior where the, okay son I'm going to count to 3. One, and then he would just pull it right there so when you weren't expecting it. So maybe that's it. Maybe they just shot the thing down before we can all look. Maybe they did it last night or this morning or whatever in case it went badly. That way, like none of us would be watching as as like, like a cloud the embarrassment of, of the Sputnik, <laughs> or or like any any of our Mercury projects that, yeah. have been, that just imploded on the launch pad. Lopnik. <laughs> or it's like a cloud of hazy plutonium fell down onto our cities. Um, anyway, well, I guess you won't be able to see it tomorrow because apparently they've already done it. Yeah, it's, it's all done. Well, there you go. Was it successful? We don't know. We'll, we'll come back in about 50 years and ask. I was just going to say. This is going to be put in one of those white file boxes <laughs> and put in a big warehouse somewhere. I'll have to wait for Donald Sutherland to talk to me on a bench by the Washington Monument. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you see any 50-foot ants crawling around the Mojave Desert, though, you be sure to let me know. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Is this me? Yes. Okay. Sorry. Um. Poor Tim always gets left out of the pancakes. You preempt his news all the time. I just had to say that, first of all. Well, I think so the, the pancakes, pancakes and the news are two different things. Yeah, those are two separate issues, sir. And I believe the pancakes had dairy in them, so they were not really Tim-friendly pan- pancakes to begin with. Well, still poor Tim. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, as far as... Um, Try to speak slower. That'll make this call much more interesting. And be Okey more dokey. How about <laughs> Try to be more ornery when I pick up the call. <laughs> Um, yeah, as far as people not getting uh, mad cow disease, I'll mm-hmm. have to defer to uh, Clyde on this. Mm-hmm. But he said that his mom died of uh, spongiform encephalitis, which is mad cow disease. So maybe you should get a hold of him and talk about people not getting mad cow. Is this the end of your call? Yeah. You can hang up now. All right. Thank God that wasn't the first call of the day, because that just sets... That I'm just... hoping that he calls back for the last call. Uh, mm-hmm. So let's give him a special line so he can call whenever he wants. Well, I think Clyde said something about... It wasn't his mom, though. Uh, Clyde's mother has passed away, but that was uh, it was not from... Clyde's mother did not die of mad cow. Let's, let's, not, let's not start any more urban legends about that guy. Um, I think he said his grandmother died of... I don't know, something... It was like some brain thing. Uh, it was like a similar thing, but I don't think I think that nobody I don't think anybody in America's died of that. I think that's like a thing they only get in nations that are filled with savages like England. Uh, let's see here. Um, oh, really? Is that true? Okay, wait, hold on. Let's let's welcome now to the Rick, our good friend Mike Chase. Uh, welcome, welcoming uh, him now to the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, sir. Hey. Hi. Uh, what, did did Ricky put on the screen why I was calling? Because no, I think the whole thing's kind of blown now, timing wise. 
you're talking about the pancakes. I was going to call up and it was going to be, you know, something hilarious, like I'm eating something. You know, do you want it? You know, that kind of thing. Oh, but I do. We are hungry. It was here. okay. It was going to be sort of. It was going to be uh, sort of decoded to that entire uh, speech yeah, about was, how we always got your leavings. <laughs> right. There's a certain window of like opportunities. You, so, in other words, okay, well, hold on. Let's role play here, though. Let's uh, let's back up. I will do the last part of that okay. monologue about always getting uh, JJ's leavings, and then I will pick up your call. Okay. Should I introduce you, or should I just... Nah, just, just, just I'll pick just, you up cold? Yeah, yeah. All right, hold on a second. Back and hold you go. We're now going to go back in time, and we're going to recreate the last... like a harp sound effect. You know, I think I do, actually. I think I have... Uh, I think I have a dream sound effect. Ah! Oh, that's a Dean sound effect. Well, whatever. Um, it was an honest mistake. They're both <laughs> under DEA. Um, all right. So anyway, then when we were working with uh, such a bad method actor, when we were working with Katie and JJ, it's like uh, we would always just get their leftovers. Uh, hey, uh, I can't, even, I can't even do this. This is such a long road to what will now be the most anticlimactic joke in history. Um, <clears throat> yeah, you used to have a dream sequence. I'm trying to find it. I don't know where it went to. Anyway, mm-hmm. hey, so you're doing that uh, remote tomorrow, Rick. Uh, you don't have your own banners, but have something that says KWJJ on it. Great, thanks. Can I have a station vehicle? No, but you can uh, You can have the KWJJ vehicle. <laughs> uh, hey, let's pick up this phone call here on the uh, Rick Emerson Show. Hi, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think, I think Clyde Lewis's mom died of... Mad cow disease. Okay, that's really funny. That saved this entire <laughs> aborted bit. Well done. Thank you. Right, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That really was funny. I thought that whole thing was just going to be circling the drain and then flush that away. Was, that was morning show humor that worked at midday. There. He is a pro for a reason. Yes, he is. He really is funny. That's why he gets the pancakes first. <laughs> well done, Mike Chase. All right, here's Tim Riley. Uh, so, a uh, car thief uh, died after a fiery crash in Salem overnight. Eric Monroe of Kaiser was pronounced dead at the scene. He stole a 1989 Ford Mustang and drove it eastbound at a high rate of speed on Mission Street. He lost control, went into incoming traffic, and hit a Dodge Stratus. The force of the collision uh, ejected the car thief, and he was killed instantly. So, that's that. Too bad he crashed up a Mustang. So this is, but he stole it and then just hit something and died? Yes. That is so great because that's just a, that's an, you know, sometimes karma takes a long time to come around. The wheel has to spin many times for one's, uh, one's uh, petard to hoist one. But sometimes it's like God just takes out the trash right away. That's very satisfying. Here's Tim Riley. Okay, here's the story you've been waiting for. Gather on the wireless. Dateline Salem. All good things happen. Salem police said some sports bar regulars caught a thief stealing over the weekend. A customer at the Underdog Sports Grill noticed a man sneaking behind the bar and opening the till after the bartender had stepped away. Well, the witness told the bartender, who quickly asked three of the bar's patrons to help catch the wily thief as he fled, they were able to tackle him in the parking lot and keep him there until police arrived. Thank goodness I had a couple of regulars, said the bartender, and that totally helped me out. Under arrest for second degree, a theft charges is Mitchell Bickford. Damn. Ah, uh, wonderful. I wonder where that guy's been all this time. I guess he's been around Salem. He's been, st- been standing around with his hands buried deep in his pockets, scratching himself. Well, you know, he hails from Salem. He's uh, one of the uh, well-known sons of Salem. So I'm looking right here <laughs> at, the original, <laughs> at the original article. <laughs> September 30th, 2003. Oh, man. 
Should we revisit the original story? Wanna, yeah, and I'm going to uh, post this on my website uh, right now while you are reading this original story because Mitchell Bickford is one of those names that sort of gets uh, that gets referenced sometimes on this show. Mm-hmm. You know, people name drop him, and occasionally somebody will throw that phrase just into conversation. And we, if you weren't around in 2003, this will be like one of those isn't that right donkey things. It just doesn't make any sense to anybody. And I don't think it's on the show FAC. No. Um, so, so he's this is folk hero, right? yeah, really, this is one, he's one of Oregon's favorite sons. So this is one of those things that we will now recap for you. Tim will read the original news story mm-hmm. by which, uh, Mitchell Bickford was brought fame and fortune here on the Rick Emerson program. And I, I will post the uh, story on my site right now. And when women fell before him say, I want to have Mitchell Bickford's baby. <laughs> it really is like the best mugshot we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. There's, Let me just say this real quickly. There are some mugshots that are uh, really interesting or fascinating or compelling, but sometimes you know, the person is, it's almost like they're prop mugshots, like they've got purple hair or like a glass eye or something, or you know, they've got you know, like a mouth grill that says mom or whatever. This one's all natural. This is really just the beauty and craziness that he was clearly blessed with at birth. So the headline here from September 30th of 2003 from the Statesman Journal, that's the Salem newspaper. Police seek suspect in mobile home scam. A scam artist is preying on elderly people living in a Salem area mobile home park. As a matter of fact, more than one park. The suspect, Mitchell Russell Bickford, is thought to have built at least three people. Bickford, who apparently chronologically <laughs> is 41... <laughs> It looks like he was 41, 40 years ago. Allegedly approaches his victims and offers to wash and wax their mobile homes. There's nothing like a wax mobile home. I don't want Mitchell Bickford he'll also, anything. He'll also that. perform some odd jobs around the mobile home. In the scam, Mitchell Bickford requests money up front from the victim, saying he needs to purchase supplies, and then he vanishes. The scam works in part because the suspect does not ask for a lot of money, and he has an honest face. This <laughs> really? Guy- does it say that? No, I'm just thinking that. Uh, the guy goes in and says, I'll wash your mobile home for 80 bucks. Not a large amount of money. Oh, yeah. Rosalind Mobile Court resident Dorothy McCormick says she was scammed in July by a man fitting Bickford's description. How could she be wrong in that? <laughs> Mitchell Bickford offered to wash and wax her trailer for 40 bucks, but asked her to keep the amount he was charging a secret. He wanted me to feel that I was getting a special deal, and he was going to use my house for an advertisement. <laughs> Mitchell Bickford. At MitchellBickford.com. <laughs> so uh, the victim was taking pain pills for a sore shoulder at the time. I was a little dazed, so she agreed with Mitchell Bickford. She wrote a check and acted as though uh, he was going to perform the work. He said he'd be right back to start working. Even pulled everything onto the patio away from the window so he could start. Uh, Bickford is described as 5 foot 11 inches tall, 145 pounds, brown hair and eyes. He recently had been driving a small beat-up tan pickup truck. It might have had Washington plates. Oh, he might be a Washington native. By the way, so I've, I, if you go to rickemerson.com right now, I have posted a link to the, this original Mitchell, Mitchell Bickford story that has his mugshot. There really, and it says here, there might be a few more victims out there who haven't come forward because... They're embarrassed because about dealing with Mitchell Bickford. <laughs> no one wants to admit that they were swindled they by a guy. That guy. I mean, I, it, really, I mean, it, this is one of those things, and we never really did this, but this is one of those things that almost requires like a captioning contest. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
That's a thing you ought to run on your blog, Sarah. Like, what is Mitchell Bickford saying or thinking at that moment? <laughs> because we could have a promotion where everyone has to dress up as Mitchell Bickford. That's at a great idea. Day. I like Rob style. from the House Erected the greatest. Remember when he dressed up as Mitchell Bickford? Rob, that's right. That he did come to one of our Halloween parties as Mitchell Bickford. Um, because you look at this photo of him. So this is... So this is his mugshot, right? Yes. This is this isn't like his family. This isn't like his family yeah, photo. It's, it's on the mantle of his <laughs> of his mummy's <laughs> right next to like a bronze <laughs> set of shoes. This is my baby. Um, there's a big heart right next to it. <laughs> I mean, this really is the yang uh, to that. Who was it? That, who was that guy uh, that got? Um, was it Tom Delay? That had that mugshot taken a couple years oh, ago. Oh, he was smiling. He broke yeah. new ground with mugshots because he shaved, he showered, he combed his hair, and he smiled. And it really was like he was having his picture taken for his golf club uh, ID or something. It was like the worst thing he could have done. Yeah. This, they really are the alpha and the omega of mugshots. Mitchell McFord is the opposite end of that spectrum. I mean, I'm looking at this, and I mean, it's it's not just, first of all, he's got Tom York's eyes. That. That weird, that goofy bastard from Radiohead that's got one eye that's all huge, and the other one, the other one's like a pinprick. Um, he's got Tom York's eyes. He has uh, what in Oregon are referred to as summer teeth, or some are there, some aren't. Um, he's got not so much a beard as it is just sort of patches of weird hair-like mossy fuzz all over his face. Um, he kind of looks like a Hiroshima victim. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Um, he's got, I mean, on the one hand, the hairline that is sort of, you know, like receding backward into nothing, yet he's got this weird, unkempt, misfits, devil lock thing hangling, hanging down, like dangling between his two front eyes. And he's sort of... It's like he's arching one eyebrow, but you get the feeling that maybe his face just, like all of his muscles, has just degenerated over the years, maybe due to heavy consumption of fertilizer or something, and he just can't properly, like, like operate his ocular muscles anymore. It really is great. So, anyway. So, so I wonder what he's been doing I all this time. I cannot imagine. I mean, normally I'd have some glib, amusing answer to that, but really, what does Mitchell Bickford do when he's not apparently... And I mean... How could you face the next day, let alone your friends, neighbors, and the media, if you had been swindled by a guy that looked like this? I mean, how presentable can that face really be made to look? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, really, I, I urge you, strong, and it is completely safe for work, just go to rickemerson.com and check out this picture of, uh, this picture of uh, Mitchell Bickford. Just, really, just take a good long look at it and ask yourself, how could that man possibly make himself look trustworthy? I mean, really, what could he do? That would make you think, just no, I should hand him $85 in cash right now. Does it say Maybe advertise on eHarmony.com <laughs> looking for that special. Is one level of compatibility. Name a star after Mitchell Bickford. <laughs> <gasps> we should totally do that. So? We should completely have a star called Bickford. That's a wonderful idea. Does it say in that article, and I was quizzing Sarah to see if she, uh, this is like a, one of those Jeopardy categories. The categories are Mitchell Bickford. Beef tongue recalls and spina bifida. Uh, do you remember what Mitchell Bickford's alias was? Does it say in the article I'm the name here. he was giving? No, his and victims? I have not looked because I cannot remember. I'm looking here. It doesn't say it in this article. I remember this, and this is not made up. This is a this is what in media circles they call a checkable fact. Mm -hmm. The name, and I remember that this fact. I'm so glad that Mitchell Bickford is alive. Really, think of all the joy he's given us. I remember this came out a couple days after the original story. So there was the original arrest of Mitchell Bickford, 
Then there was a follow-up story about two days later when we had already decided he was like the greatest thing ever. It came out, and it was so perfect. Like, we couldn't have, we couldn't have fabricated a better uh, sort of final summation to the story. That the alias he was giving um, his victims was Michael Hunt. That's after you went Hollywood. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. That is the name he was giving. What's your name? Michael, except he may have used the abbreviation of that. Michael Hunt was the name the name he was telling people. You look just like Mitchell Bickford, though. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm glad we're alive to see these days. I really am. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, well, this is a good stopping point. Let's take a break. We'll come back. Tim Riley returns around the corner with more news. Uh, later on, I do believe we have Peter Carlin for the Oregonian joining us. Uh, we'll talk to CNN radio correspondent James Roop as well. And we'll answer the magical question, why are there no basements in Hawaii? Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. How much you love me. I love William Shatner. Uh, ladies and gentlemen at the Ministry of Proof, it's Tim Riley. Somewhere about this guy who drove into the Max Tunnel, who we found out drove all the way to the zoo exit. Two miles into the tunnel. Incredible. So, uh, Stephen's down of Vancouver. Now they say that he caused something like $60,000 in damages. That according to his crime map. And they say they go after the driver of the insurance company. Like this happens. It says, we do this in all situations. As though this happens every single day. But she admits uh, she's ever seen a situation like this one. And uh, signs of legal problems don't end with a civil claim for dollars by travel. He also faces criminal charge for driving under the influence of intoxicants. So this is a guy that drove into the tunnel at Goose Hollow. And, as we heard, drove all the way to the zoo. Now, I didn't know that he was drunk, though. Or, I'm, I'm sorry, intoxicated on something or other. What was the, does it say on what Driving was... under the influence of intoxicants. Mm, I wonder what that means. That, I wonder that could mean any number. That could mean like yeah. a prescription medication, maybe. Mm-hmm. I thought that maybe he was just. Uh, did he say he's from Canada? Or he's from Vancouver? Or is that Vancouver, Vancouver, Washington? Vancouver, Washington, apparently. So he's actually. See, I thought maybe there was some. Ex- like if he was some sort of a godless Canadian. Well, he, he was trying to get from Van, from Portland to his Vancouver home, so maybe that was a tunnel to Vancouver? Maybe. It couldn't have been Vancouver, B.C. He must have known better. Yeah. Do they drive on the? Uh, do they drive on our side of the road in Canada? Yes, they do. All right. So, it's just like America. Yeah, I was trying to make all kinds of exceptions for him, you know? Like, maybe it was some sort of a, uh, maybe it was some sort of a cultural difference. But no, he was apparently just high. Mm-hmm. All right. But apparently, yeah, Trevin has uh, so little security that he was able to drive that far. Well, I suppose they don't have a, a cop on the beat in the tunnel. But well, and there's just certain things you can't really prepare against. I mean, just the, true. the idea that a guy is somehow going to get his car into the max tracks and drive two miles into the tunnel. I mean, he's just lucky that it was, what, it was four in the morning or something, mm-hmm. right? Because one of the trucks would come along and just kill you dead. I mean, you'd be full-on dead. So that was, that was really just a, uh, that was happenstance that he was not one dead Vancouverite. I'm going to have to look. When I go through that that tunnel on the way home, if they put up some new signs, telling people like, like hey, hey, jackass, don't, don't. You know what kind of freaks me out? Do you ever do this where you're you're going up? Um, 
don't know, like an off-ramp or an on-ramp or whatever, and you see those signs that are backward, and they are clearly put there to stop people from going the wrong way. Wrong way. Their... <laughs> exactly. It's sort of like a more terrifying version of those signs that you see when you come out of a tunnel, and it says, headlights, sort of because everybody turns their headlights on in a tunnel, and they want to make sure you know they're on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you'll, be, you'll see those that say wrong way, and the freaky thing about those signs is that usually there's only one set uh, there's one single sign that says wrong way, but if you happen to be, you know, like you're rummaging in the glove box for another Roger Whittaker CD or something, you're not going to see that. And then you're going to be Ace Fraley driving, you know, the, the wrong way directly into traffic right as I'm coming home from work, undoubtedly. That's when that'll happen. But how about a big red sign that says no? <laughs> Stop. Stop. Now, you know what? What I don't understand, if they really want to stop people from driving up off ramps, they ought to just put down those little, uh, you know, those parking lot, uh, those spike things. You know that only let you drive uh, one way. Oh yeah. Yeah, those were like uh, they have those at uh, at. Oh man, I was going to say they have those at parking lots. So when I went to see that Wednesday 13 show on Saturday, I saw. It's one of those things that is. It's kind of exciting, and it's it's, it's exciting largely because you don't have to be part of it. It's a little free drama that you are not obliged to take part in. I was walking back to my car after the show, and there was a guy. That had they'd overbooked the parking lot, and it was one of those like lots downtown where it's just a bunch of spaces, and you pull in and you pay the guy five bucks, and he gives you the thing to put on your on your dashboard, and then you you lock it and you come get your car out later. And there were like fifty five spaces, but the guy who was hang, you know the the the, uh, the attendant at the lot had for whatever reason allowed people to park between the rows. Oh, okay. So he'd allowed people to double park. And so there was no way for some of these cars to get on. Thankfully, I was not blocked in. But there was this guy who was parked between two really expensive cars. And he himself was, I don't know, he was driving like a like a Honda or something. But it was between like a Lexus and whatever, like an Audi. You know, the two cars you don't want to hit. And he's doing that thing of trying to edge out by going an inch forward and then an inch back. And like then... our parking lot back here. Exactly. Except imagine that you were ringed on all sides by our general manager's uh, Mercedes. So he's... Sort of going forward, back, forward, back. And then there are those guys that are standing behind him doing that thing. Like, all right, no, you're fine. No, come on back. No. And one of the guys that was guiding him out was apparently the owner of one of the expensive cars. He was right near. And I walked by just in time. I don't know whether his foot slipped or whether he pressed down too hard. But I walked by just in time to see him go back and smash out one of the win- like one of the headlights on one of the cars behind him and immediately the entire tone of the whole thing changed because one second it was all right come on pal all right back up all right you're good and then about 3 seconds later after he had smashed the headlight it was get out of the car right now like i guess they figured he was going to leap out of the passenger window and just bolt into the street or something so i don't know if there was a beatdown that ensued but it, the tone suddenly became very ugly and it was a little free drama that i got to watch Here's uh, Tim Riley. Another baby's been found in a toilet, this time in St. Helens. A Valentine's Day birth of a baby girl. This happened at the Meadow Park Care Facility in St. Helens on Valentine's Day. They found the nursing staff uh, of this health care clinic. Officials say interviews with the mother indicate she intended to kill the baby and hide the evidence. The newborn and the mother's other child uh, have been taken into protective custody. So so the birth happened where? Meadow Park Care Facility in St. Helens. So the mom 
So the mom works there yeah. as a, not a nurse probably, but some sort of a doesn't say. A she candy, may be. candy striper or something. Yeah. And so she already has one kid. Mm -hmm. Decided that the second kid was just going to be too much. And so, mm -hmm. so what did she just stick the baby? So why do we have these stories about every three months? What is wrong with people? So she just sticks the baby in the toilet and then leaves? Or do they like catch her in the act? Or They must have cut her afterwards. I'm not sure. I don't have... Uh... Yeah, any more details Jesus. on this? There's a whole lot of people that just ought to be beaten senseless. I mean, really, honestly. I agree. All right. A uh, central Florida woman whose 17-year-old daughter was killed in a murder-suicide, apparently uh, committed by her ex-boyfriend, said the teen told police to stop calling. Oh, the police told her to stop calling for help or she'd be arrested. Police say Caton Copter shot his estranged girlfriend outside their home in Florida then turned the gun on himself. Hall's mother, Sherry, said her daughter was concerned about Copter and called the police. In fact, her daughter called police uh, so much that on January 15th, the police threatened her. The police officer said, if you call us one more time, we're going to arrest you both. So the day she died, she knew she couldn't call the police. I am going crazy, said her friend. The man is psycho, jealous, and abusive. Uh, so apparently they thought she was crying wolf until she was actually killed. That's, that's in Florida. By the way, somebody has a brief note about Mitchell Bickford. says, Rick, I completely had for I'd for completely forgotten about Mitchell Bickford, a.k.a. Mr. Hunt, and I'm glad he's alive and well and scamming still. I, I didn't really notice this in the article, but he points out that the tavern is called The Underdog. Yeah. He says, it seems like taking money from a place called The Underdog is really a lateral job move from promising to wax a trailer. So it doesn't seem like he's fallen too far in the world. Well, it, there is a recession, so waxing a trailer <laughs> is probably at the very bottom of people's wish list. That's considered a frivolity at this point. <laughs> That's a, I'm sorry, Mr. Hunt, that's just an unacceptable luxury. <laughs> That's uh, some fancy living you're talking about. <laughs> Waxing the trailer. <laughs> no, we fall on lean times here at the here at the here at the the, the Happy Valley, uh, the that... Broken Promise Land Trailer Park. <laughs> here at the Trail of Tears Memorial Trailer Park. Um, he says I can't find anything else on Google outside of these two citations. I, I also searched Google and it was Bickfordless. Um. He says, I'm hoping someone with access to criminal records like a detective can let us know what he's been up to. An archival Mitch hunt, if you will. He says, by the way, um, he said, I like how it, the newer article mentions that the patrons, quote, encouraged him to return to the bar and then keeping him there for police. Salem encouragement probably includes several kidney punches, so I'm hoping that Mitchell will be okay. Yeah, it seems like in Salem they encourage you, like, with the butt end of a pistol or something. Here's Tim Riley. Well... Here's a story about some hot stuffing, but not hot inside the roast turkey sense. Police have arrested a 32-year-old man accused of stealing 217 cases of Pepperidge Farm stuffing mix. The stuffing went missing last week from a storage trailer in Midland, Texas. Distributors had access to the trailer, but the suspect worked for one of the distributors, so this was an inside stuffing theft. The man was arrested over the weekend at his home in Bentley. Our prosecutors have been asked to charge a man with embezzlement. They have 157 cases of stuffing are still being held as evidence. The hunger for carnitas nearly led to some carnage for a Fontana man. He was robbed of a bag of tacos at gunpoint. A 35-year-old victim had just bought $20 worth of tacos from a street corner vendor and was riding his bike home when the suspect confronted him and said, Give me your tacos. <laughs> the suspect grabbed the bag of tacos, punched the victim in the face, and began to run away. The victim demanded, Give me my tacos back. Then the suspect uh, pointed what appeared to be a handgun at the man and threatened to kill him before running away. 
By the way, speaking of tacos and meat and whatever, here's another interesting point about that beef recall. It says typically when they recall something, you know, it's because it can be returned and then destroyed and keep the public safe. But if an unfortunate someone consumed, let's say, a small intestine or a tongue sandwich and a cup of beef bile, what the hell are they supposed to do? Send in their mad cow disease racked body? FedEx their fecal matter to the FDA? I mean, really, honestly, why would they recall beef when they can't really recall any of it? It's like, you don't have mad cow disease, you're Mitchell Bickford. <laughs> Is it a simple statement saying, you might be effed if you ate this, is probably sufficient? That really is an interesting point. I mean, what is it exactly that I'm supposed to... Well, first of all, how do I know if I consumed any of this beef? Does well, they it... have the numbers on it. Really? Yeah. But, I mean, who keeps beef numbers? I mean, that really? True. <laughs> Honey, what was the number on that hamburger you made me yeah, three weeks ago? Please write that on the checklist on the side of the refrigerator. I wouldn't even know. I mean, where is that number? I guess it's on the package. Just like it's written you, on the you, side? It just goes through your garbage. So I'm supposed to go... Like next to the barcode thing? Yeah. I have no idea. I that mean, will I... do. The barcode will do fine. So if I... Presuming... So let me... Uh, so first of all, I have to think if I've eaten any beef in the last... However... When... How far back does this affect me? Do you know? I don't know. Be, I be... made tacos a, a couple weeks ago. Hmm. That could be the same beef. Turkey, Are you feeling was... a, a crawling worm-like sensation under your the, skin? The lean turkey... Stuff. Let me ask you this, Tim. Let's be honest here. Are you paying me? What is that? TMZ somewhere, I think. Should we keep playing? <laughs> <laughs> what is this random noise? And should we let it just continue to run? Um, are you perhaps? Uh, let me ask you this. Are you? Are you following this beef recall story? A more enthusiastically than you normally would because it's going to result in the death of beef eaters. B, following it less rigorously than you normally would because it doesn't affect you. Or C, following it exactly the same way you always would. I follow it as my duty as a newsman. Excellent. So I have to A, figure out if I've eaten any beef in the last, yeah. whatever, like three weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, but B, did you know that you ate beef? B, well, maybe. But I mean, if I have like some soup or something at home, how do I know what's in it? It could be whatever. I mean, maybe it's beef, maybe, especially in my house where my wife is kind of vegan sometimes, but, like, not always. So, you know, maybe it's soy, maybe it's, maybe it's honeycomb tripe. Soy is good for you. Uh, yes, but honeycomb tripe, maybe not so much. And then I have to root around in the trash, unless they've actually taken the, unless they've already picked up the garbage from my house, in which case my options are, A, go to the landfill and try to identify the trash uh, that I uh, threw into the pile, or, B, just sit around and wait to see if my eyeballs fall out. That's wonderful. All right. Well, son of my worry. <laughs> That's what I'm saying right there. I want to talk about Fidel Castro, who has decided to step down after all this time. He's sick and tired of his job and is ready to move on. Uh, yes, the ailing Fidel Castro, who we think has been dead for quite some time, is uh, quitting. He turned in his letter of resignation and wrote a nice letter to the, uh, the Cuban newspaper that's called Grandma. And uh, he said he will not be back. He's quitting. And Going to give that whole island to his uh, brother, Fidel. You know, Fred, uh, not Fidel. Uh, what's his name? Raul. Raul. Raul, who I think has just been hanging around his whole life like Sean Lennon, waiting for this moment. The letter to Grandma says, My wishes have always been to discharge my duties to my last... By the way, there's no psalm being a communist country. This could have been written years ago. Uh, so this is published in Grandma. In the pre-dawn hours, most Cubans were unaware of his message. Uh, so he talks about that Raul. He will... Oh, no. 
Islanders say he will continue to be my commander-in-chief. He will continue to be my president, said Marion, a 50-year-old boat worker. But I'm not sad because he isn't leaving. And for 49 years, he finally gets a bit of a rest. <laughs> said Marion, the muzzle of a pistol jammed into the back of her head. He retains a powerful post as first secretary of Cuba's Communist Party. Uh, the resignation opens a path for Raul and the full autonomy he has uh, lacked in leading a central government. He is the the younger Castro. Uh, Raul is old, said Isabel, a 61-year-old Havana street sweeper, who listened to his <laughs> message being not not being brought but being read on state radio. As a Cuban, I was thinking that uh, the foreign minister and uh, the other people in the government should also be elected. The international community should work with the Cuban people. Yeah, whatever. So, uh, well, who has comments about this? Uh, John Kerry. We want to know what he thinks. Nope, I think my pot is down. He reporting An for enormous duty. change of policy. That's uh, John Kerry. <laughs> <laughs> well, really, honestly, I think a, high, a higher power intervened there because I can only take so much of that guy. And uh, then uh, John McCain uh, weighed in. Assistance that came in earlier than that might serve to prop up a new regime or a or Raul or whoever it is that wants to take Castro's place. But here comes the worst part. And it happens every time that communist countries kind of loosen up. Everybody leaves. So people in Florida have a lot to worry about right now. We would plead with people to certainly not use opportunities like this to begin something that would be dangerous and that would be considered by the United States as a hostile act by a foreign power if the Cuban government was to encourage it. What a wonderful little crime wave that would happen. Wait, so does this mean, is this just code for please don't get on a bunch of, like, like doors and rafts and lashed together brooms and, like, try to float over to, Pretty to Florida from Havana? Well, you know, that happens in every communist country. Because every time things get loosened up, they don't say, I'm going to stay and rebuild my country. <laughs> no, of course not. I'm going to go to Las Vegas. They all... It's like all of Eastern <laughs> Europe is empty except for the very young and the very old. People who couldn't make it to the boat. Everybody did everything they could to find any nook and cranny in London to live in. <laughs> they, they're overburdened right now with Polish plumbers, and they don't know what to do. <laughs> what are we going to do with... Really? Well, I'm not making Polish jokes. I know, I'm just it saying. true. I'm... Anytime a communist regime opens up just a little bit, everybody runs for their life, and the only pe people who stay there are the people who can no longer run. Exactly. Or the mobsters who decide yeah. that this is their chance to finally just run the entire joint. Because that's the thing that's happening in Russia, right? Where it's just the mob is running the mob and oil uh, companies. Yeah, or the oil families. Yeah, the oil people have made a lot of money there. Oh, man. They're the only ones staying sober, and for good reason. I uh, I I read the uh, I read this uh, New York Times article a while back about uh, sort of socialites in Russia, which is just kind of a funny concept anyway. But apparently, it's all it, it, apparently it is all uh, the sort of uh, grandchildren of the old school party leaders. Like they talked about um, Mikhail Gorbachev's granddaughters, mm -hmm. who I guess are the Paris Hilton and whatever of of Russia now. They're out on the town on Rus on Russian catwalks mm -hmm. uh, every Friday, showing off the latest in Rusky fashions. Um, but did that happen with Cuba in 1980, right? That was the whole thing, like the, yeah. the whole Scarface thing. where it was, And this is, again, I mean, I know Fidel Castro's, you know, bad and a dictator and whatever. But, I mean, you do have to give the guy sort of points for panache because he did have a knack he for terror to get rid of mobsters. He, well, he just, and he stuck it to Whitey, like, in just the greatest ways possible. Because uh, at one point, I guess what led up to it is that... There were all of these people really, uh, they were agitating to get out of Cuba, and they were going to the various embassies, because there are embassies in Cuba, just not an American embassy. There's like a Swiss embassy, for example, um, and a lot of Cubans were just pounding at the doors of these embassies saying, we want to get out, we want to get out, let us out of Cuba, and it looked really bad. It was a public relations disaster. 
for Fidel that all of these Cubans, and he always painted it as such a paradise for workers and a you know a glorious place to live, and they were like, let us out. And so there was all this pressure from the international community for Castro to let people leave. So what did he do? He went to like every prison and mental asylum on the island and said, you're all free. Get on these boats. And then he just kicked the boats to Florida. And, you know, and everybody in Florida wakes up one day. Well, here's another day in wonderful Florida. I guess I'll go down and get me a grapefruit from the corner market. What are those boats? And then on, like coming into the coming into the harbor, there are these boats from from uh, from Cuba with like hundreds of thousands of criminals and mental asylum patients. I mean, it was really was pretty wonderful. I mean, in terms of just giving giving the man a big middle finger. And it made Florida what it is today. Oh yeah, we have nonstop crazy crime stories. We have a Fidel the Bank Brother. Thank you, Fidel Castro. You betcha. So, there are more coming. So no one's going to... I mean, if he, if the iron fist that uh, kind of rules that country relaxes at all, yeah, no one's going to stay. There will be no one to stay and clean that place up. They are all going to be here. Uh, meanwhile, back in politics here, Joe Lieberman is backing John McCain. He really irritates people. The threats to our security from Islamist terrorists and, um, and, the, and the threats to our uh, economy and prosperity... You're in that case. You'll continue to be elected, though. <laughs> this, I was just going to say, though, that's kind of what you sounded like last week when your mouth was all numbed up. Yeah. Do you play that back one more time? It's coming back in two weeks, by the way. The threats to our security from Islamist terrorists. A little bit. And, um, and, the, and the threats to our uh, economy and prosperity. He sort of has that Sylvester Stallone thing, like maybe half of his muscles don't quite work the way they should. So in another two weeks, we get, uh, we get your, the 28th. your post-dental Mark it voice. On your calendar. 28th. <laughs> 28th. Done and done. Excellent. And my new tooth should be in if it's from somebody's basement laboratory. <laughs> the guy's polishing it up right now between bathroom breaks. Mm -hmm. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, Regis is a grandfather. The uh, 76-year-old shared the good news with uh, Kelly Riper on uh, Live with Regis and uh, whoever's doing the show with now. And she said, I'm going into labor. <gasps> 30 hours. <gasps> Baby born yesterday morning, 6.05. You know, Regis has been on TV longer than anybody now. I didn't know he was 76 years old. Yeah. When he said that He does now. not look at... No, I would never guess it. I mean... He started in TV like 50 years ago. And he was on that... Was it Joey Bishop? Yep, he was on Joey, that Bishop's Joey Bishop's Bishop show. Man. So, hey, what is Kathy Lee Gifford doing these days? Oh, I don't know. Talking skincare products. Is that true? Mm, she says she sells some kind of like mineral um, makeup package. She's thing. so hot. She, yeah, she was really pretty. Oh, yeah, she's gorgeous. She's yeah, like I'll... no... like. No wrinkles whatsoever. It's you, bizarre. You, she looks like a mannequin. You know what that is? That's the power of hate that keeps her young. Mm -hmm. uh, really? Kathy, There's nothing like it. No. Kathy Lee Gifford, she is kept young by bathing in the blood of her enemies. That really is. I mean, and they are legion. She's, she, uh, she's right out of that uh, Martha Stewart Hillary Clinton mold, I think. Mm -hmm. You just you cross her, and she will have you and your entire family shipped away in a crate somewhere. I love her. She is flat out hot. I mean, really, honestly. Um,. She's a role model for American women. You know, I uh, I do like her. I really do. I honestly do. Um, I had some point I was going to make. Oh, about Martha Stewart. She said Martha Stewart bought, uh, what's it, bought Emerald, what's that guy, Emerald Lagasse? Lagasse? Yeah. The guy that says Bam? Mm -hmm. She bought his entire company. Good That's, for her. You know, I really, you know, if you're a Futurama fan, you know, Martha Stewart is mom of mom's friendly robot company. Martha Stewart is going to end up uh, owning and running the entire universe. It's going to be her and Bill Gates owning everything. Now, nobody's really sure what's going on with this election stuff anymore, since there were so many of them. First, there were caucuses, then there were elections, then there were caucuses, then there were elections. So, Washington is uh, 
Washington State, our neighbor to the north, our, our northern suburb, is voting again today for some ridiculous reason. What comes out of this state in terms of the buzz, of the momentum, of showing who can actually win an election in the second largest state in the western United States, that is going to be very important. That's our Secretary of State, San Reed, who says there is a lot of stake for Washington State financially with any kind of election. A quarter of a trillion dollars is spent in the state by the federal government in one presidential term. So this is a very important election as far as we're concerned. So all you people in the coup, you can stop committing crimes for a while and... Uh... Go vote, and then continue with your usual activities. <laughs> and then go drive through our tunnels in the middle of the night. Oh, by the way, speaking of the coup, somebody gave me these passes to the new Larry the Cable Guy movie. Jesus. I mean, really, honestly... Maybe not guaranteed. I... <laughs> well, let's see where it's playing. Hold on. Let's see. And it has Jenny McCarthy in that's, it, That's it? the other thing that is painful about this. That's what bugs me. I know that I it's, respect her. I know that I'm another guy on the I Hate Larry the Cable Guy bandwagon. But, I mean, honestly, look, and I know Jenny McCarthy's not, like, all that at this point. I was never, like, the biggest fan of hers. But, I mean, she's, you know, pretty funny, and she's hot and all. And Larry the... Goddamn Larry the Cable Guy, who really, he is everything that is wrong with everything. I mean, he's just the worst thing that's ever existed. And here he is in this movie having Jenny McCarthy dressed uh, like uh, Marianne from Gilligan's Island. I mean, she's got, not trying to work blue, I'm just saying, she's got like the shortest denim, like the Daisy Dukes, the shortest denim cutoffs you can imagine, and one of those Marianne gingham halters on, and she's just crawling all over this fat blob of a human. I mean, just, just brain like an egg timer, and he's got Jenny McCarthy just hanging all over him. Jesus. It's the Witless Protection Program. Ha, ha, ha. And it does say, seating not guaranteed. Told you. Yeah. Show up early. They'll be rioting. Fight, fight, off the, fight off the thousands of other Larry the Cable Guy fans that'll be there. God damn. Pass does not guarantee admission. First come, first served. God. Ticket not for resale, Tim. Don't you try to sell this on the street, scalpers. <sighs> anyway, so there you go. Oh, and apparently it's not just my guess was going to be Lloyd Center, but apparently it's playing everywhere. I'm glad it says AM 970 on in big letters. AM 970 presents Larry the Cable Guy. No. <laughs> Is that true? It, it says right here, Larry the Cable, Cable Guy in witness protection. Compliments of AM 970. That's wonderful. Let's see if we can get it to say Rick Emerson's show in big letters. You bet they'll do it for free, even without asking. God damn. Just looking at him, I'm not going to dwell anymore on Larry the Cable Guy after this, but looking at him just makes me angry. It makes me angry and sad. He's all a, a Mitchell Bickford wannabe. Jesus. He kind of looks like Ian Gordon, though. You know, when you he, when he sort of look at him, like if Ian Gordon were a little taller, he would sort of be Larry. The, I know it's a terrible thing to say, Ian, so I'm sorry. But if Ian Gordon were taller, he would be Larry the Cable Guy. All right, here's Tim Riley. This makes me want to weep. Uh, put those over there. No, the four-year-old son of the dead crocodile hunter wasn't at all alarmed when he was bitten by a baby boa, according to his mother. He picked one up and he bit his finger, and he was so proud of it. What kind of parents are these? <laughs> I don't know. Is this the same kid that Steve Irwin was, like, dangling him by his toe in front yeah. of a bunch of crocodiles? How dare people question my parenting skills? <laughs> and it really, he's like, holding, he's like holding it above the alligator like it was a carrot on a stick or something. Look at it! Snap at my baby soft, spongy head! So apparently, crikey, I, I predict this is, this is kind of like Britney's family or wannabe. Mm -hmm. I mean, their kids are just, who knows? But anyway, did you see that picture of that nasty little girl holding up the doll? Of She's herself? evil. 
I put her on her website. Oh, is it uh, Riley Live? Yes. Go to uh, RileyLive.com. There's a creepy picture of creepy Bindi Irwin mm-hmm. holding up like a creepy doll fashioned to look just like her. I mean, I'm surprised that there aren't, you know, Steve Irwin Memorial Killer Rays that they're uh, giving away to kids at FAO Schwartz. <laughs> there might be. Well, they're, cause at the, what, he's Australian, right? Yeah. Who knows? I mean, in Austra- we've got some listeners in Australia, actually, so I'd be curious to know kind of... I'd be curious to know what it's like to, if, if, if everywhere you go... I mean, if he is... Who would the American equivalent to the crocodile hunter be? Evil Knievel, maybe? He's dead. No, but I'm saying in terms oh. of the stature and for that... Because he's not like... You know, he's not a musician... You're not a politician. Oh, like some adventurous sort? Yeah. I, I'm wondering if, because you know, Evil Knievel was a, a really big deal here. But the, the thing is, Evil Knievel, though, died really yeah. old. I mean, he was like 60-something. Uh, and Steve Irwin, he was like in his, only in his early 40s. So I wonder I wonder if there is an American equivalent of Steve Irwin. I mean, I guess if you, I wonder if you go to Australia, if he is just massive there, if he's, if he's huge. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, he's probably like there, James Dean or something like yeah, that. Maybe. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley on KCMD Portland. Uh, meanwhile, America's uh, next top model is uh, back on the television again. The judge, Nigel Barker, says New York City is a great place to film this program. The resources here that we can pull from are, are, are incredible. I mean, it's, you know, New York City just, uh, is just you know, chock-a-block and full of all, you know, experts from all you know, fields of the fashion industry. Wiggledy smackleback. Uh, many of the past stars of this uh, program continue to have great careers. Several of our winners have had their CoverGirl um, contracts renewed you know, after they, they ran out with us, and, and some of them have had it renewed you know, more than twice, uh, which is a testament to them, you know, to, the, to how successful they have been for that company. Uh, Bette Midler is hitting Sin City. The Divine Miss N, or is it M, will launch her new Las Vegas stage performance, The Showgirl Must Go On, at Caesars. She's 63 years old now. Uh, she says her show will be uh, very, very glamorous. I am a girl, and I love hats and feathers and makeup and high heels and rhinestones and beautiful things and glittery things. I'm like a magpie. It was a sparkle. I'm, I'm like a magpie. You know, I have to have it. I'll go see that show. That's all. Totally go see that show. Um, so, we, but I think. I don't know if it's... I think somebody told me it only ran through March 16th, though. Oh, that's too Um Yeah, I have to look now, because I would... I mean, I don't know how it's... You know, it's going to be prohibitively expensive, probably. Yeah. Um, but I was a big fan of... People don't really remember this, but she was. She did stand-up. Um, stand-up is really the wrong way to put it, but she did... Um, in the 80s, she did a lot of stuff. It was sort of half stand-up, half uh, singing, uh, which I guess maybe is... I guess it's maybe a, a sort of an outgrowth or a variation of what she did when she was kind of coming up uh, with uh, Barry Manilow in the 70s. She, The best example, I think, of, of that era of her live show, there's, she put out a record called Mud Will Be Flung Tonight, which is really, really good. Um, and there's this whole song. She has this song called Fat As I Am that's great, and she did a song about um, the creation of the uh, brassiere that's uh, that's wonderful. I mean, she really is. And she's just, I mean, she's the, if you look up, like, broad in the dictionary, it really is that Midler. All right, I got to look it up. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, how you doing? Listen, uh, Larry the Cable Guy is America's version of Mr. Bean. You know, maybe, I, I guess. Well, I mean, he's just fatter, but he is. He's just a clown. I mean, but here's the thing about Mr. Bean. Don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm a big Mr. Bean fan. I'm I'm really not. Sort of like pan, like physical sort of pantomime comedy doesn't really do a whole lot for me. Um, but I will. If, if it sounds like I'm jumping onto the defense of Mr. Bean, it's because a. I mean, here's the thing about that is that Rowan Atkinson, who's the guy that does Mr. Bean, he was also in Love Actually, and he uh, is probably most famous for a, a, a Britcom called Blackadder. 
is really, really legitimately funny. I mean, he's a truly brilliant man. Larry the Cable Guy just makes me angry. He just, I see him and I just want to beat him with a golf club. I don't know what it is, man. I, I, it, I just, it, it's like you hear that voice where he comes in and he talks like, and you just, I, it, I, and I just feel it's like urge to kill just begins to rise. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Bye. I don't know if that guy was trying to defend Larry the Cable Guy or not. I'm not like you disappointed him. I maybe maybe he was trying to bring me over. Maybe he was trying to like bring me to the. No no no, Rick. The thing you don't understand about the subtle art of Larry the Cable Guy, he's like a he's like a 21st century Buster Keaton, Rick. Uh, here's Tim Riley. The uh, Tennessee legislature has scuttled a bill to ban schools from teaching students about homosexuality. Representative Stacey Camfield says she's heard from two parents saying their children were learning all about it. Well, I've had complaints from two different schools, one in my county, one uh -huh. from Vice Chair's County. I have talked to the parents. I have not talked to the schools themselves, but I have had complaints from parents that literally ended up pulling their children out of school. Yes, I, this must be stopped. TEA and NEA has advocated for pushing acceptance of certain lifestyles, which a lot of times people find that do not agree with their personal religious beliefs. I like the I like the idea that they were quote learning all about it. Mm -hmm. Every single they were le learning every single thing there was to know about it. Uh, it seems like there's some other joke I could insert there, but f them. Controversy is brewing in Kansas after a female referee was told she could not officiate at a boys' basketball game due to her gender. Officials of St. Mary's Academy, a private religious school for boys, said referee Michelle Campbell could not call the game because, according to their religious beliefs, women could not have authority over men. Officials of the sports league hosting the game said they were determined that St. Mary should continue to play in the league following the decision to move Campbell from the game. You know they're big uh, Larry the Cable guy fans. You just I know it, they right? Are. Uh, all right, by the way, I'm looking here at Caesar's Palace. Um, one of the uh, one of the things, one of the clickable things is get a taste of Caesar. Um, let's see here. Bet Midler. You know, here's the thing. Midler. <laughs> see, I, I, I hadn't even, uh, I hadn't even registered that one. Hold on. I barely relate them ever. Um, so I'm looking here. First of all, the thing about Bet Midler is, I, I realize that this is, that there's airbrushing that's gone on here, and there's a lot of makeup and the whatever. I don't care. She is still, in this photo, she looks like a, one of those Vargas pinup uh, girls uh, from the from the 50s in this photo they've got of hers at, uh, I guess Caesar's Palace is now owned by Harris, so it's at harris.com. Uh, let's see, so she performs, well, it begins Wednesday, February 20th, which is tomorrow, I think. She's so pretty. She's, yeah, she really is. Um, it doesn't say how long it runs till, though. Guess how much tickets are. Oh, guess what they rent? Guess what the? What do you suppose the brackets are? What are the? What starting is the, around one fifty? Actually, starting lower than that. Oh, that's Ninety. Tickets are ninety-five to two hundred and fifty plus fees. So there you go. Um, that still is a very low starting rate. You know, relatively speaking, that's that's not bad. Uh, let's see. Proud to welcome its newest diva, the Divine Miss M. Uh, blah blah blah, and then they do a whole thing about it. she's a Grammy winner and the, the whatever. Um. It doesn't say how long she's. So, oh, here we go until March until March sixteenth. So. Well, that's not very long. Yeah, but you know I'm not gonna. But that's actually she. It looks like she ends before I go to Vegas, so I will not have the chance to see her. All right. Well, they renew a contract. Right. One would hope so. Here's Tim Riley. American Idol fans will be able to see clips of their favorite performers whenever they wish. Uh, the Fox Show has signed an agreement with iTunes to offer downloads of each semifinal performance. They'll cost ninety nine cents each. Oh, by the way, how come some downloads? They're now costing a dollar three. 
that used to be 99 cents. At iTunes? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. I haven't uh, purchased anything on iTunes for for some time. Mm-hmm. Is that ju- is that across the board? Or I don't only... know. I just know of some people who have gotten their receipt online and said 99 cents. It's a dollar three. Now is some that, song. Maybe that's uh, so like. A, now here's a question: When you buy something on iTunes, is there sales tax? No. Is there no sales tax on internet purchases? Period. I guess it depends on where you're buying it from. They, your return address would tell you that, wouldn't it? Maybe. But I mean, so if you so if you live in a city where there is sales tax, does it somehow a know state. that or or, or I would, a, I would a imagine state? It knows does it calculate that. that when you go to iTunes or something? I would imagine these so. are all things I don't know. Um, well, I know that the record industry for a long time they've been trying to push like a sliding scale kind of a thing, mm-hmm. where like if you wanted to buy, uh, you know, something that was currently in the top ten, like a Justin Timberlake song, it's like a buck ninety nine. But if you're going to be buying, you know, like a Paul Anka song. Uh, or something that it was just uh, you know it was going to be like 14 cents or whatever. So because I think they're unhappy with this, you know, because Steve Jobs really got everybody by the short hairs on this. Yeah, and I think they were they were trying to make Apple charge more because the record industry was as always unhappy uh, with uh, you know the, the amount they were getting, which is always the case. So well, drugs for those executives are very expensive. It's true. Uh, so that's that. Let's see. Oh, Aaron wants it known, by the way, that he, that he and um, <laughs> he and Scott Daly actually were offered the chance to sponsor the Larry the Cable Guy movie, and they passed. Wonderful. Okay. Well, I'm glad to know that we can pick up the leavings of not only KWJJ, but Film Fever Radio. All right. Next time we could do it for a non-existent radio station. We could have done it for, like, Max 910. They wouldn't have known it. We really should. That's what we should do. We should, or just have it sponsored by our enemies. Just decide. Pick someone that we don't like and have them sponsor the Larry the Cable. That could be movie. any number of people. Jesus. Listen, this pass will admit, too, to any showing. These are run of engagement passes. God damn. Guidance strongly suggested for children 13 and under. Or for those with brain stems. Here's uh, Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. Well, now you can go to the San Francisco Zoo and taunt the tigers and they can't eat you. They made renovations to the big cat exhibit uh, this following the fatal attack. Hey, we haven't heard anything about that story in the longest time. No, I think they figured out that the kids were asking for it, and that was sort of the bottom line for everybody. That was the end, I guess. The big cats have been kept indoors since Christmas Day when they killed a teenager and mauled two of his friends who were teasing the tiger. Uh, so they got the first look at the new pen yesterday, but the public is still being kept away. Once the animals... Uh, kind of get used to the new surroundings, you'll be allowed to watch them again. These renovations include raised walls, new glass barriers, and electrified wires. So don't even try any funny business. Well, there's been another uh, meat cleaver murder. This time in uh, San Antonio. A man there charged with capital murder after the deaths of two women. Oh, two women killed the grandmother with a meat cleaver because she disapproved of a man bring home a prostitute. Uh, Tommy Flores was arrested on unrelated charges before a police charge in connection with the deaths of his uh, grandmother, 74-year-old Eva Flores, and the second unidentified woman. The alleged killer told police he attacked his grandmother in anger after she announced her displeasure with the woman he brought to her home. Meat cleavers on the new black. Which was a prostitute. The bodies of Flores and the identified uh, woman were found in the home. He was found in a bedroom with several cuts. Inside the home, police found a bloody meat cleaver and a magnum revolver. Acting on evidence in the home as well as witness statements, police arrested him uh, at an east side motel on an outstanding warrant. This does beg the question, is this one of those things that, like, he was somehow inspired? Like, he hadn't he hadn't quite put together how to kill the grandmother. He just knew that she irritated him, and then 
there was all this cleavering business in the news, and so that's somehow like it was sort of a one plus one equals ding solution uh, in his head. Or I suppose it, that's possible. Or is it just, or is this, or is uh, is meat, are meat cleavers just like the uh, the shark uh, of this year's news cycle, where that's suddenly the thing that all the newsrooms are going to be. Looking and did we even? I still don't really know what a meat cleaver looks like. Yeah, you do. It's um, it's a rectangular blade with a handle, and it's got a hole at the the top, so you can hang it on a hook. Right? Is that is that a meat yes. cleaver, Tim? If you're, I mean, if you're really serious about chopping meat, you need one. <laughs> As Tim Riley often is, with with all of the thousands of pounds of beef that are consumed <gasps> oh, in the Riley okay, kitchen. Okay, okay, okay. You know what? Yeah, that big giant like hatchet like. No, one. that's exactly what I would. Oh. If I had to cleaver somebody. Uh, you know, I was thinking, I was thinking of the meat tenderizer. Oh, that'd be good to kill somebody with too. Little spikes on the end. That's you know, I can I just tell you this. Every single time I have ever used a meat te- uh, tenderizer, I've sort of thought in the back of my head, like, I could really kill somebody with this. Those yeah. are scary. I think that's a thing that people, uh, that's a series of thoughts uh, that I think, I think everybody sort of ponders that kind of stuff, and you don't really talk about it, uh, and, you know, unless you're us. This is like that business of when you're driving on the road, you always think about how you could just yank the steering wheel into the oncoming lane. That's, there's the meat tenderizer. Then oh, there's look at the, this um, meat tenderizer. Wow. That's really freaky looking. I think that one must be spring-loaded in some way. I mean, who would go through that much trouble to eat meat? <laughs> Aren't there easier ways to eat meat? <laughs> <laughs> stabbing it with party objects? <laughs> what would happen if you didn't use that? That's a good question, actually. Why do you tenderize meat, Sarah? I don't... Well, it's full of fat, isn't it? No, but I mean, the tenderizer doesn't get rid of I, that. You know I don't cook. I have no idea. You know, I own a meat tenderizer, but I don't think we've ever used it. And by tenderizer, it's just one. a big, it's a big pointy hammer. You just beat the meat, right? I, I mean, suppose. You, you just hit it with it? I'm not someone who beats the meat, but I'm, I, I suppose there are many listeners out there who do. <laughs> dumping that last one. I'm dumping the last <laughs> that one. That was the funniest one I'm of all. I'm dumping the last one. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad enough that CNN is talking about them yanking all this meat in California. Jesus. I don't really know what the point of that is. I mean, is it something will meat not cook if it's not? Now I just want to say. Does it make it more porous, perhaps? More porous. 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 I don't know. Maybe it, it makes like it slide down the gullet a little easier. Is it? To, is it to? Uh, uh, is it to? Uh, I was going to say like pre-chewing it. This is one of those days where I can't talk. It, it, I was going to say thinnerize. Does it thinnerize the meat? Is it maybe to make the meat thinner, and therefore it cooks more evenly? I don't know. I'm just waiting for these calls to ring. Okay, there we go. Let's find out. Hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson radio program. Um, I just want to say a really good thing to kill people with would definitely be, have you ever seen a carpet stretcher? Oh, God. Is it, high, we, is it a high concept Thursday already? Are you talking about, when you say a carpet stretcher, are you talking about the long kind with the big handle, or are you talking about, like, the knee kicker? The knee kicker. Yeah. With the big scary spikes, definitely. No, the knee kicker, you could, let me, and for those who don't know, my dad uh, was, a, was a carpenter and laid a lot of carpet in his spare time. And a knee kicker is this really freaky device that it, it's like, um, I don't even know how to describe what a knee kicker looks like. It's like, um, it's like a metal rod. One end has a padded cushion and the other end has a bunch of spikes 
uh, that are face down. And, and I ba- think that there is a knob where you can actually make the spikes longer, longer, longer. Exactly, and there's a knob there. on the top that extends the spikes. So basically what it is is you put it down, and it's to, it's and you put it down, and then you kick it with your knee and get the carpet. You Basically, it's to stretch the carpet as tight as you can get it before you nail it down so that there are no bubbles in the carpet. Uh, and it's the reason why so many guys who laid carpet for a living in the 70s have bad knees now because it's just terrible for your legs. Um, you could completely kill somebody with that. I should have known, by the way, that this was the aspect of the story the audience would immediately go to. Not the meat tenderizer, but interesting things with which you could kill someone. <laughs> let's Thanks not, a lot. Let's I regret not, nothing. <laughs> thank you. I regret things on a daily basis. You know, let's not forget the all. You could do some killing with that. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Knee kicker. I'm a, oh, wait. I Yes, and... I barely knew her. All right. There we go. Yeah. Hey, uh, the, the meat tenderizer, the, no. the, the concept of that is... Uh, if you have meat that is tough or, or, or whatever, it basically it pre-cuts it, kind of like you know pre-chews it, but but leaves it all looking like it's whole, so that when you then cut off a small piece to chew on it, all of the uh, the fibers inside of it are all broken up and, and and fall apart more easily. You know, can I just tell you this? I'm a guy that loves me some meat. Uh, I uh, I really do. I enjoy eating meat. I'm a car- I, you know I'm a, not even a carnivore, but I'm a, you know I'm an omnivore and whatever. But I think I speak for a lot of meat eaters when I say that as I have no I have no shame about my you know my meat eating I didn't do, you know I don't I'm not agonized with guilt about it or whatever I have no moral dilemma with it but I will say this a lot of things about the preparation and cooking of meat are just revolting like there's enough disgusting things that have to do with meat and the preparation of same that I really ought to find the whole thing disgusting do you know what I mean like it's one of those things I ought to no longer enjoy cuz it's just so vile but you know what? It's just that it's so good. I mean, really, that's the thing. I know how vile and disgusting bacon really is in terms of a thing you process, but it, you know, it's bacon. What are you going to do? Not eat it? It's just not, not an option. No, not, not an option at all. Yeah, you know, the thing with the, the meat tender, right, there's little hammers with all the little spikes on it, like a big framing hammer. Yeah. When you, like, uh, smack them down like uh, chicken breasts and stuff like that, uh, man, you get chicken goo, like, all over the walls. You can splash chicken. that stuff up onto the ceilings. It's, it, it can be quite, you know. Chicken goo all over the walls. I always use it as, you know, for, you know, uh, intimidating my children to make sure that they did what I wanted them to. But... Thank you. Bye. You know what you couldn't kill somebody with? A whisk. I mean, it would take days. I mean, if you hit somebody with a whisk, you'd probably have to, I mean, you'd have to get a different whisk after a while. I mean, that would probably take five or six months. You had a guy to a chair. It depends on how sturdy of a whisk it is. Whisking him. Uh, let's see here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. How you doing? What's up? Well, you've always asked all of your uh, loyal fans to spread the word. And yes. I just wanted you to think about that if we were spreading the word and saying, hey, excuse me, turned into AM 970, and the last 15 minutes it's been Larry the Cable Guy, meat tenderizers, and carpet stretchers. Yeah. Well, That's just... <laughs> we're trying to appeal to a specific demographic, sir. Oh, yeah. That's the meat yeah, well, cleaver. The meat cleaver demographic. Well, actually, the only and one other thing I wanted to add real quick is, as much as I am with you on hating Larry the Cable Guy and everything yeah. he's about, it's really disgusting how much money he has milked stupid Americans out of. Well, especially when you can look. I can't believe that I'm piling on Larry the Cable Guy again. He's sort of the guy criticizing Larry the Cable Guy at this point is sort of like criticizing Ebola. Like there's just no point. Like what is the? It's just so redundant. You know what I mean? It's like you know, well, cancer is bad. It, it bugs me the most about that guy. Never mind. You know, everything bugs me the most about that guy. F him. If you ever want to amuse yourself, though, uh, David Cross of Arrested Development fame wrote a great open letter to Dan Whitney, which is Larry the Cable Guy's real name, 
Yeah. Uh, Larry the Cable Guy, who went to a private school and doesn't have an accent, by the way. Uh, oh, not at all. No David accent. Cross wrote an open letter to him that was basically a big get-bent uh, letter, which is uh, pretty satisfying to read. That's, all, that's online if you want to search for that. Well, it would be wonderful to read, but the problem is that Larry the Cable Guy, sadly, is just rolling in millions of dollars now. Yeah, I know. He'll get his someday. Okay, put him uh, in the book. Thank you. Thank you. Bye now. Uh, let's do uh, two more of these meat tenderizing calls. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. Hi. Hey, uh, Jenny McCarthy uses a knee kicker in basketball. In when? What? Robert Conrad says to Jenny McCarthy in basketball, he says something like, you know, maybe we could go lay some carpet. Wink, wink, wink. Oh, and, and then the next thing you know, cut to her with, in, a, with a knee kicker, really? She has a knee kicker, yes. I've only seen basketball uh, once. I thought it, I've only seen it once or twice, but I thought it was really funny. It was really funny, and it's you know I'm gonna go buy that. It, that basketball is one of those movies that is so terrible. I mean, it's just <laughs> it's just clearly a, a framework on which to hang a, a collection of really bad jokes. I, I I think that the moment that stands out to me from basketball. Correct me if I'm wrong, Tim. I'm sorry for this in advance. <laughs> is there a sequence in basketball where the guy is trying to make the shot and he's being distracted by the sight of somebody drinking liposuction fat that came out of Ernest Borgnine's ass? I, I, I think it, they say somebody else's ass, but I, somebody's ass. Somebody's ass. Right. It was. Just it checking. Was. You know yeah. what? You know what? It's so, still movie it's I still need better. to own. It holds still up. better than Larry the Cable Guy. Well, that's really like an open sore is better than Larry the Cable Guy. You know? Okay. All right. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. Uh, CBS is responding to complaints about that recent episode of Big Brother. Autism groups, we talked about this yesterday, are fuming since one of the show's contestants called people with autism retards. Run group was calling for CBS to pull the show off the air and apologize. So CBS has issued the statement. It says, quote, Big Brother is a reality show about watching a group of people who have no privacy and seeing every moment of their lives. At, you can tell they talked to a lawyer. At times, house guests reveal prejudices and other beliefs that we do not condone. We certainly find the statements made by Adam to be offensive, but believe they were countered by the immediate reaction of shock and condemnation from his fellow house guest, Sheila. Adam's remarks would not have been permitted on our air unchallenged. Unquote. The company goes on to say the opinions made by contestants do not reflect those of CBS or producers of the program. Well, I'm sure Don Imus is happy to know that CBS is standing behind the guy from Big Brother mm. who made some sort of socially indefensible comment. Sure. There you go. That's nice. That's nice to see. Consistency in a company. That's what I appreciate. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, Rick. It's Anita from the Coop. Anita from the Coop. How are you, sister? I'm doing good. How can we I've... help you today? I have some insider information on Larry the Cable Guy. <sighs> All right. He is going to be the new spokesperson for one of the major weight loss companies. Now, like a Weight Watchers type thing? Yeah, I didn't want to say the specific company. Oh, I don't company. care. Is it? Uh, I believe it's Nutrisystem. Nutri oh, that's, uh, wasn't uh, uh, Tina Yothers, wasn't that her thing, Nutrisystem? Is that I'm, not, she I'm not sure, but I know he and Marie Osmond, I have pictures of them at the shoot. Really? Mm-hmm. Where did, was the shoot here? No, I, you know, I need to go. I'm on my lunch break right now, but I think I'll go and see if I still have them. Um, but it was, uh, you know, at them at the dinner party and the wrap-up party. So it's Marie Osmond and him and one other person. I couldn't remember who it was. Wow. But, yeah, so. you know, the idea of Marie Osmond and Larry the Cable Guy at the same dinner is like that episode of The Simpsons where they, have, they save like the hundred smartest people on Earth on one rocket ship and then everybody <laughs> else gets put on another ship that's being shot into the sun. Well, so you're, you're – 
extent of the Larry the Cable Guy duration is going to be continued because now he's going to be a spokesperson for that company. I was hoping that Thrombosis would take him down before we had to tolerate much more of him, but <laughs> looks like I'm going to be thwarted on that front. All, All right. right. Take care. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye. Here's Tim Riley. Oh, here's a nice little story tucked into a corner somewhere that nobody noticed. U.S. strikes within Pakistan without notice. On January 29th, a CIA Predator aircraft flew in, and uh, somebody clicked the mouse and fired two Hellfire missiles hurling toward a cluster of mud-brick buildings a few miles from a town square in Pakistan. Is it really necessary to do... Really? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not trying to mock. I am trying to mock. Is the destruction of, quote, a mud building... Does that really require the use of something called a Hellfire missile? Yes, it did. Can't Two Hellfire missiles. Really? Can't you just have the Big Bad Wolf take care of that for you? No, they killed a senior Al-Qaeda commander. Again? Again. <laughs> okay. Uh, having requested Pakistan's government permission for such strikes on previous occasions, only to be put off or turned down, the U.S. spy agency did not seek approval this time. They fired their own Hellfire missiles and got the hell out of there. He's hiding in a building made out of rickety straw. Get me the Dominator X-10! Jesus. All right. The Hellfire missile. Well, I was... we know they could have fired at that at that comment last night yeah. just from practice. Well, see, but now, here's... Okay, let me just say this about that. Here's the thing about uh, that is that if supposedly you are going to be able to watch this satellite shot down uh, by our by our boys in the military tomorrow night, mm-hmm. if they claim that that was going to be able to, you know, visible to the naked eye, then everybody's going to be watching tomorrow to see if it happens because everybody now suspects that the thing they blew up last night was really that. Also on the Hellfire missile tip, let me say this. I thought that that was a thing that was fabricated because you know what used Hellfire missiles all the time was that show Airwolf with Jan Michael Vincent. Oh, yeah. Where they would con- they would take Airwolf up and it was speaking of Vincent Borgnine, uh, Ernest Borgnine. It would be Jan Michael Vincent and Ernest Borgnine in uh, Airwolf. And then every time they would have to attack something, Jan Michael Vincent would say, give me the chain guns and the Hellfire. And then, like, they would blow something up and then he'd, and then he'd go home and play the cello. Anyway. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, how you doing? Hello, hi, how can I help you? Hey, I, when I was a kid, we used to make hay bales, and we used hay hooks, and I always thought how gruesome it would be if you were to die with using hay hooks, because I actually hit myself quite a few times in the leg with them. Uh, is it because that's where your uh, the, the hay is on the ground, and you kind of buck it up onto the truck? Yes, sir. And so is that where you have a hook in each hand, and you just kind of go chunk? Yep, on each side. And, yeah, and then jerk look. it straight up. So did you put you go. the tip of the hook right into the side of your leg? I have, yeah. And so now, how far into your leg does that typically go? Uh, well, I was a young kid, so not really that far. I mean, enough to draw blood, but if you were an adult, you probably could do some pretty good damage with them. Excellent. Uh, yeah, that would be, although I think, um, wasn't one of those hooks used in like that I, I Know What You Did Last Summer movie? Like, yeah, you know, I started thinking about it. I don't one of those horror well, that, movies. That like Gordon's that. Fisherman guy was like hunting people down. I mean, that's such an obvious choice. I feel like that has to have been used in like a Friday the 13th movie or something. Yeah, that might have been it. Okay, greatest show ever. Thank you. There you go. Yeah, no, from the time that any sort of, like, gardening or uh, construction implement is invented, the countdown from that moment until it's used to kill teenagers who've just had sex somewhere in a horror movie is really only, like, five or six months. I mean... I mean, we're now 23 years, I think, past the release of Nail Gun Massacre, which was a uh, that was a staple at our uh, Friday night movie gatherings as a youth. Here's Tim Riley. Time for Britney Watch. Do this Britney Watch, and then we'll uh, take a break. Here's your Britney Watch for Tuesday on the Rick Emerson Show.
Part 1. At today's custody hearing regarding Brittany and the custody of her two sons, Sean and Jaden, Commissioner Gordon once again ruled that Brittany is not allowed to see them and that the current custody agreement remains in effect. Which is especially interesting because I think Kevin Federline actually was the one who said he wanted her to be able to see them occasionally, and the judge told him to get stuffed. Well, she may still speak with him over the phone. The other news from the hearing is that the firm Trope and Trope, that had tried to be released from uh, representing Brittany last month, has finally been excused from the proceedings to be replaced by Stacey Phillips. Commissioner Gordon also ruled regarding the motion filed by lawyer John Erdley last week when he asked that Brittany's uh, conservatorship and custody hearing be moved to federal court. Commissioner Gordon said that the motion has no bearing in the custody case. Part 2. The first quickie husband of Britney Spears has a strange explanation for the singer's apparent carelessness when it comes to gaining custody of her kids. Jason Alexander, who claims that he and Spears are once again friends, tells in Touch magazine that she, quote, doesn't want the kids back. Because she can, quote, always have other kids, unquote. Well, well, that is true. He goes on to say that while Spears wants to see her a few sons, she doesn't want to be a full-time mom. So that's that. Uh, he married her in Vegas in January 2004, but the union was quickly annulled. Uh, two brief observations. One about Brittany and then one just about celebrity children in general. So... I, so Brittany, apparently, she went out with her dad clubbing. How sad is that? Jamie uh, Spears, her dad, clubbing. clubbing. I that. But, I mean, there's really no other way to put it, right? It's not like they went dancing as such. They just kind of went out to club. So Jamie Lynn out clubbing with his daughter, Brittany, which just makes my skin crawl in like a hundred different ways. Mm-hmm. I am kind of moving past Brittany, I think, at this point, though, because it's it, uh, the only way I think I'll become interested in her as a story subject again is if they lift this conservatorship and then she's allowed to go crazy once more. Although I did note how disgusting is this. I say this is someone who doesn't even have kids. She's out with her dad again with the no underwear. I saw. I'm out with my dad. Look at my vagina. Well, I'm starting to feel sorry for these kids too, because how um, did you read that thing also where Kevin Federline's like uh, sources are saying that he doesn't really want the kids full time. Brittany's like, I can have more. I don't really care about these kids. Well, they're they're it's, just tester children, Sarah. It's so they're, sad. They're starter kids. There's got to be some movie starlet out there who'd like them. Uh, and the uh, well, you know that you know who's already lining up for a piece of that is just like every shrink in California. They're getting in line. Speaking of uh, of celebrity kids, so you know I saw a picture of the other day is Francis uh, Bean Cobain which is uh, Kurt Cobain's daughter. What a massive head she's got. Ma- just uh, it's it's melon-sized. It's it's huge. She's pretty though. She looks like one of the, but she looks like one of those kids that has all the water in her head. Well, <laughs> have you seen her in those new Chanel ads? <laughs> no. She's well, maybe she's that's what it was for. for Chanel. So I mean, in those she's totally airbrushed. I didn't see her water baby. Oh, well, that's it. maybe that's what it was. It was because she was all dressed up and uh, you know. Yeah, the, in real life, she looked not like so much. She looked she looked like that guy in the front of the. Uh, she looked like that guy on the, uh, the the front of the Lemonheads candy box, where it's like, you know what I mean? Or, or like, what is it, the Airheads candy, where it's like the big inflatable head that's tied off at both ends? That's exactly what her head looked like. I mean, not an unattractive girl as such, but... Just a giant inflatable well, candy just, she head. Well, she was not in proportion. She was out of proportion. I mean, you know. I mean, it's just, it's, look, it's, uh, can, can we just speak plainly here? It's hard enough to find anybody attractive who emerged from Courtney Love's area. Do you know what I'm saying? Let's just call it what it is. If you, if you entered the world from Courtney Love's region, it's going to be hard to find you attractive ever. That's just, and I'm sorry that Francis has to carry that mantle, but I mean, come on. That's that's the wrong way to enter the world if you want to be seen as sexually desirable. That's a stink you can never wash off, figuratively oh speaking. God. Figuratively speaking, I mean, you know what I'm talking about? And plus, here's the thing. It, even if Frances Cobain, and she seemed very intelligent. I read the interview with her. She seemed very um, 
you know, she said a whole, like, I'm not my dad, I'm not my mom, don't hang my parents' baggage on me, you know, whatever. She seemed very well-adjusted and very normal. But it's like, no matter how well-adjusted and normal and smart and funny and charming, there I can't imagine any guy who would ever date her because of the knowledge that Courtney Love would be your mother-in-law. I mean, really, honestly. You want to it's talk about, it, like, family gatherings that are just, like, should just take place in the shrink's office. Anywho, um, yeah. Britney Spears. All right. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Britney Spears. Zam. or Michael Douglas or Kirk Douglas. And she had black hair in it? Yeah, I think so. I think it was, it was, you know, she was trying to reinvent herself at that point because she got famous on Singled Out. Well, first That's what I remember. She was in a movie called Simon. She was Playmate of the Year first. She was Playmate of the Year in 95. Uh, and then... And then she was on Singled Out. Then she did... What did she do after Single Dad? Didn't she have some other show? I mean, but, I mean, before she became sort of a reality uh, TV girl, didn't she have some other program on MTV? It was like Jenny McCarthy's blah, 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 blah. No, I just remember her being the sidekick on Singled Out, and then um, she took over hosting duties after he left for... And then they tried, and I think when she left Singled Out, I think they replaced her with some other girl that was supposed to be just like her. She was sort of the, I think she was the Greg Kinnear of Singled Out, where she left, and then it was like an endless procession of people trying to fill her substantial shoes. Uh, all right, in mere moments, we have more news from Mr. I started doing an alliteration thing, doesn't work. Uh, more news from Tim Riley in just a moment. Uh, I think we have uh, Jim Rube coming up later on in the show. We may talk to uh, Peter Carlin. Uh, let me see. Let's uh, just uh, get these calls here very quickly. Let's see. Um, what am I doing? Okay, here's what we've got. We've got Celine. Uh, somebody calling about Celine Dion, somebody calling about meat tenderizing, or someone calling from Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. All right, my heart's devotion. <laughs> hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello, Rick. Hello, hi. Hello, Hi. This is Cheryl. Hello, how are you? Uh, I'm a chef. How is um, how is life in Puerto Rico? It's um, a very chilly, 75 degrees right now. Yeah, yeah. Rub it in. Yeah. Rub it in. <laughs> what what brings you to the phone today? Um, I just wanted to comment on yesterday's show, which was, by the way, amazing. I uh, just want to thank you and Aaron for the go- whole Geek Fest of Battlestar Galactica. It's uh, well, it's it's what we do. It really we have no marketable skills, and that's only a quasi marketable skill. So, uh, I will uh, I will say that I finished season three on a Sunday night. Uh, tonight I will watch Battlestar Galactica Razor, which is the prequel, you know, sort of between season two and three, a two hour movie, and then I will be entirely caught up uh, with Battlestar Galactica and ready for season four. You're gonna love it. You're gonna see. Um, I was. I also wanted to ask you something that has been plaguing me most of my life, and I think you are the type of person that could answer me that. Okay. Do you remember the TV series V? Yes, or I do. Not the TV 
miniseries. Well, there were actually two. There were two miniseries. There was V, and then there was V: The Final Battle. Yes, uh, the original V ended with uh, Julie and Elias sending a message into space. Yes. Um, and I apologize to Team Rally for this subject. I know <laughs> it's not exactly newsworthy, but um, they ended by sending a message into space, right. recording us to Earth, and it was almost like an invitation to, if there were enemies of the visitors out there, letting them know they're here. Yeah. So the uh, so the, so the original V miniseries, which aired in I think 1996, it did it ended with Julian Elias, who were the two lead scientists. They created this looping radio message that would send off into space. And the theory was that if the if the visitors, the aliens, had any enemies that maybe the Earth could summon the enemies to come, you know, sort of an enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of a thing. And, um, but, of course, the, 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 the rub of the whole thing, though, was that the message would take like 900 jillion years or whatever to, to reach uh, outer space, yeah. Okay, so that was never further addressed because I think I saw it first when I was seven years old, and even then my first reaction was, what if the people that come are even worse than the visitors. So, yeah, so here's the thing about that. So they sent the message at the end of the original V miniseries. They sent the message off into space. Then there was V, the final battle, which is the follow-up miniseries, followed by V, the television series. Now, to the best of my knowledge, the radio address sent by the humans into outer space was never responded to. However, it will interest you to know that currently in the works right now uh, is a new miniseries picking up where the old one left off. It, I mean, it, it picks up now. In other words, it would, it's, a, it's a new miniseries for V that takes place 20 years after the original miniseries in which they may address that issue. Oh, I didn't so know that. That's we, great news. We will have more news on it as it unfolds. So, uh, as always, keep listening for all your geek news. <laughs> thank you, Rick. Thank you. Uh, I'm, what? Yes? All right, thank you. There you go. So that is uh, Sarah in Puerto Rico. Following the good geek tidings across many time zones. Here's Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. So in Salem, the townspeople, they were all confused. They thought they were getting parking tickets, but instead they got coupons for pizza. They thought they got these threatening violations a couple of days ago. The moment the fear ended with the mock city of Salem yellow envelope was open to reveal a free slice of pizza. Well, it could have been the $250 ticket, but it wasn't. Oh, by the way, it's against Salem law to put handbills under windshield wipers. It is also a violation to fake city official documents. The parking superintendent let the eatery off the hook. It was a one-time incident. The restaurant promised it was just trying to be funny. The first uh, officer who noticed it found the fake ticket on a parking enforcement vehicle. These were uh, slices for Portland-based pizza, the Schmitza. The restaurant change has uh, pulled the trick off and other openings in Oregon. and also has drawn attention for hiring homeless people to help out with these promotional signs. Really? Is that true? It was done in the spirit of fun. Free food, working with the city to make parking tickets, not such an awful thing. Well, some people thought it was funny. A few complained to parking officers, thinking it was a real ticket in their hands. They heard complaints from people who don't appreciate the short adrenaline rush that comes with parking violations. Others angrily brought their tickets to the newspaper there. Most people thought it was funny, though. Especially those who cashed in a, for a free slice of pizza pie. Did we really just do like a three-minute ad for pizza schmitza? I didn't. I only said it once. <laughs> Boy, you know, that play, the thing about that, about pizza schmitza, never mind. I don't even care that much. 
Uh, by the way, Jenny McCarthy replaced on singled out by Carmen Electra. I totally forgot about that. Oh, I should have known that. Completely I knew that. that. I'm a failure. Here's Tim Riley. Well, the state budget uh, says the University of Oregon Athletic Department can afford to build and operate a new arena without resorting to subsidiaries. Now, Steve Bender said the gloomier prediction would force the university to dip heartily into the new legacy fund. It started with a million-dollar gift from Phil Knight. In an email to supporters, Bender says he will continue to recommend that the legislature approve $200 million for a stadium for people to throw a ball around in. And, and of course, because it is athletics, and these people are our future leaders, as we all know, course. we all must go along with this and be the followers, just like sheep. Our, our best and brightest, Tim. Really? Really? Our best and brightest, throwing a ball around <laughs> in a stadium that costs $200 million in state-backed bonds. <laughs> Because none of us are worthy to be heroes like these people no. who are throwing a ball around in a stadium. Jesus. The high school down the street from where I live is like held together with bailing wire and prayer. Jesus, God. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. Um, this is Marcia. Hi, everybody. Um, this is about Bette Midler. She's replacing Dion, uh, Celine Dion um, for two years. She will be there. Oh, really? Okay. 20 weeks per year. Oh, I see. So it's like an on-again, off-again thing. Yeah, but 20 weeks, and Elton John will uh, oh, take over for her on her days off. I see. So it's going to be, yeah. so it'll be Bet then Elton, then Beth and Elton for two yeah. years. Mm-hmm. Oh, excellent. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so you have an opportunity, perhaps. So now, okay, so now when I go to Vegas, which is going to be at the end of March, now Bette Midler's uh, not going to be there. Uh, uh, you'd have to look on her website to see what the dates well, are. Well, she, she runs, I mean, she ends March 16th, but my question then is, nah. does Elton John, to the best of your knowledge, pick up the baton as soon as she's gone? In other words, is it like she's on the way out and he's on the way in? In other words, I wonder if I would be able to, because I've never seen Elton John. Well, I think you'd there again have to go on her website to see the tickets, see what the ticket yes. information and dates are, because it's a rather, rather nice, user-friendly you, uh, website. You sound a little out of breath, Marshall. Oh, no, no. That's just I have a cold. I see. All right. Are, and, you, a, uh, uh, are you a fan of Bette Midler or simply oh, a fan of... Who would be? Who uh, would both. Both. Just okay. You're not, but not Celine. I can't no. use their name, Celine. No. Celine Deline. Didn't know if you. <laughs> didn't know if you were simply a fan of Caesar's Palace, Marshall. No. Oh no. Um. I just like that Midler exactly. very much. Uh. Now, are you? Uh. What do you do during the day when you listen? Are you at work? Are you at home? When I listen to her. No, to us. Oh, to you. Yes. Oh, I'm all over the place. You're you know, all... I'm plugged in. Yes, I might be in the car radio. But I mean, are you are you working during the day, or do you work from home, or do you uh, are I you work a, a from home a homemaker? I'm yes, but I'm also a volunteer at various places. Do you and, know uh, Do you know mm-hmm. a woman named Helen by chance? Helen. Yeah. No, uh, it's just a shot in the dark. Do. Don't worry about it. I do. <laughs> okay. She lives on this block. My block. Excellent. Uh, all right. Well, thank, attorney. thank you. Thank okay. you for the Ben Midler information. Yeah, look, look up her website. All right. You call okay. us anytime. Thank you. Thank you. All Bye-bye. Right, there you go. Bye. Wow. She seemed kind of high strung. I mean, very exuberant. Mm-hmm. She's very, very into the whole thing. Does it seem like we are uh, recently broaching a new demographic? Does that, you know I what I'm saying? Do you? You, is it, it seemed like lately, I mean, you know, we, while still holding, while still keeping a stranglehold on men 18 to 44, does it seem yes. like we are um, expanding, we're widening our base a little bit? You bet. Getting the Helens and the Marshes of the world? But you find very little live and local. That is true, Tim Riley. I mean, most other companies really don't respect the local audience. Truer words were never spoken. <laughs> They're just satisfied with downloading national programs. And then collecting money from unknown sponsors, (laughs) thinking they're solving the local community. You know, they just fatten the nest of the bureaucrats in New York City for the most part. 
Somebody's been reading Mao Zedong again. <laughs> well, okay then. The only crime is the boss is keeping down the workers. All right. Um, it's time for a general strike. Bet Midler's website isn't that easy. Really? Oh, is this it? What do you suppose the odds are that profanities can start coming out of oh, Bet Midler's website? She looks very attractive in this. Oh no, she's a. But she has a shapely limbs. I appreciate her ample bosom too. But oh. I'll go to see that. I dig Bette Midler. I really do. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pick it and see what happens there. I like her website though. It's fancy. Is it stylish? Mm-hmm. 503-733-2970. What an odd program we're having today. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. No, hi, Rick. Thanks for taking my call. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Tim. What's up? Well, uh, I know a little bit about tenderizing meat. Uh-huh. Um, best thing to do that with is salt. Um, you, now, you, I thought you, I thought salt was what you use to cure and preserve meat. Well, it'll do that, too, but it also is very effective at loosening up the protein fibers. And uh, so if you put a thick coat of salt on a, on some meat and let it sit either overnight or uh, or for a little while even in the refrigerator. You know what else works is if you just uh, put it on your roof and leave it in the sun for a day or two. <laughs> can, I, can I just speculate aloud about something here? Sure. I mean, I don't mean to sound dense. I mean, it's not like I don't know my own industry, but do you sometimes uh, get the feeling that we are the only local show left like in the entire city? And here's the thing, sir. Don't take this as a personal slight. Really, I, I don't mean any offense by this. I'm just yeah. saying it does seem, uh, and I'm not trying to be all about the glory of us, but mm. it does seem like with every passing week, does it seem to you like everybody like in the city is listening to us? And I and I, again, I don't mean to be like, look how great we are, but I mean, the, the, the breadth of, of calls we get here and topics and the things. Do you realize we just went from Jenny McCarthy <laughs> to Bette Midler from a woman who is a homemaker to a guy calling up about meat tenderizing? And this is about 10 minutes after a woman called from Puerto Rico to talk about V, and that followed a discussion about whether you could kill somebody real good with a nail gun. Yeah, I mean, you're... You're all over the place, man. It's not just the I don't even but see that's the thing. I don't think it's that we're all over the place. I think it's that we're right here and the audience is now kind of coming from everywhere. That's the thing. Uh, and yeah. it's really not so much about us probably as it is about the fact that there's just nothing Look, let's just be honest. Not just that we're it's not like we're that great. It's just that there's nothing else left to listen to and that right. everything else blows. Yeah, it's mainly that there's just a vacuum here. There's nothing else that's and, good. And really, really, pretty much people screaming about politics and, for the most part. And, and, and by default, we're just sort of getting, I think, like 90% of the audience that's out there. It, it is, I mean, it's great, but it's just, it's kind of weird. So, uh, anyway, so salt tenderizes meat then. Yeah, it does. And uh, you, some people uh, use other things, but the only things that are going to work are things that have lots of salt okay. in it. All right. Uh, before we go, sir, uh, please now to explain your favorite moment in the movie Goodfellas. Just uh, when they shot, when when uh, when he shot the kid to kill him the second time. Oh, the dude in the trunk. Yeah, spider. When, when they oh 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 spider. Um uh yeah the uh where he's he's limping around and he tells um he tells he Tommy already, to go f himself. Yeah, he already got shot in the foot once by the guy and then he and then he told him to go uh, f himself. And, I know and then, and then um and then Pesci just stands up and like unloads into him like nine times. W- wonderful. Yeah, he, Excellent. He killed him real. He killed him real bad. Thank you, sir. 
Yeah, thanks. Have a good day, right, man. There you go. I thought you said I was all right, Spider. You're Nancy Reagan has just been released from the hospital in Santa Monica. Well, they can, there's no hospital. There's no place that can hold her, Tim. Uh, she says she's very happy to be back home. Not what she's supposed to do. Clutch her Skeletor mask and go about drinking the spinal fluid of babies. Stay off drugs. <laughs> she's 86. Yeah, uh-huh. All right. Uh, oh, hey, but, hey, Elton John will be in Vegas at the end of March. I wonder if I'll be able to see him. That would be fantabulous. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. Uh, you know who else is back home again? And I thought he was dead. Billy Graham, the old one. No, he's dead. No, he's no, dead. no. He's, it says here he was released in North Carolina hospital. That is a lie. He's completely dead. It says here he's still alive. Uh, he had uh, problems with his uh, fluids from his brain that are flowing. His brain was flowing into his stomach. <laughs> oh, and now they uh, they they put a, they put a shunt in there. Uh, the word shunt is so unpleasant to, to stop his brain from dripping into his stomach. I don't even know what that means. Okay. I swear to Christ that Billy Graham died last year. Are you sure he's not some zombie Graham? No, he's 89 years old, so he's older than Nancy Reagan. He suffers of a, a buildup of fluid to the brain. That's probably why you haven't heard from him lately. Uh, okay. So they they put some uh, tubing in there, and he, he Wait, should be I'm sorry, to we're going to need to put... We're gonna, I'm sorry, Mr. Graham. We need to put more tubing in your brain. Jesus, Billy Graham. Boy, you know, Billy Graham, what a, what a great speaker he was at one yeah. time, though. Not so much now, what with the soggy head and everything and the Ugh. tubing and the shunting. Don't say soggy head. Um, no, he's been fixed. But I, uh, badly. I think he, I think they're bailing out his head sort of rowboat style at this point. But, I mean, a good 30, 40, my mom used to have his uh, sort of uh, sermons on in the house a lot when I was growing up. She would play Billy Graham. And, I mean, he's a terrible person. He's, you know, he's a bigot and anti-Semite and whatever. Great speaker, though. Well, he's yeah. the man of the cloth. What do you expect? Yeah. As long as it's white cloth. Uh, here's Tim Riley. A uh, new study shows approximately 12% of the U.S. population is res- relying exclusively on their cell phones. They don't even have a landline anymore. That's higher than 12%? That's what it says. Higher than that. There's no way it's just 12%. So it's presumed to have climbed since they took this study. To adjust for the uh, changing usage, the first flat rate for all you can talk in limited plan is being offered by many carriers. Oh, it's Verizon. So who knows? Do a religious nutcase watch. Here's your religious nutcase watch for um, Tuesday on the Rick Show. in Florida, where a church there has issued a challenge for its married members on Sunday. It comes to us from where, Tim? Florida. Have sex every day. The uh, the head pastor there, Paul Wirth, said about 50% of divorce rate is, uh, he can stop this 30% divorce rate, or is it 50% of the seminary? 50. 50. With a 30-day sex challenge. Now, the church has set up a website concerning this challenge. Wait, I have to go there right now. Hold on. Please tell me what the website is. Okay, here. I'm looking for what the website is There's called. There's some sort of church sex challenge. I want to know about it. It doesn't say. Oh, come on. It doesn't say what the uh, website is. What's the Catholic Church? What is the, uh, what's the name of the pastor? It's, well, you can try Google. It's called 30-Day Sex Challenge. 30-Day. Like a Pepsi challenge? 30-Day yeah, so Sex Challenge. We've hidden a member of your flock behind this sheet. All right. Uh, 30-day sex challenge. So they set up this website, and it's no different from people who attend church. Uh, sometimes life gets in the way. Our job is to get in the way. Oh, the flip side of the challenge? No rolling of the sheets for the unwed. 
A church member, Tim Jones, and his fiancé agreed to take the challenge, but he acknowledges it's going to be a tough month. Oh, wait a minute, but she's just a fiancé. I don't understand. Okay, the website is just 30-day sex challenge. Oh, wait, is it all, is it spelled oh, out? Oh, wait. Is no, it's down. I need to know more about this. Hmm. I don't know why. Oh, wait, here we go. All right, I'm trying to find a link. Okay, so so please to describe the challenge again. I must have missed part of it. It just says have sex every day. You have to go to the website to find but out But everybody? More. Like with, with anybody you choose? No, no, no. You have to be married. Oh, I see. So if you're married... If you're single, no sex for you. Right. Okay, so if you are... So they want married people to have relations every day for 30 days. Yes, only married people. And they want Sarah to have sex with no one. No one. For 30 days. At all. Well, now the, now the website's down. The website is crashed. It's relevantchurch.com, mm-hmm. uh, but it's down. It's not there. Well, how am I going to know how to do this? Well, fine. Whatever. Well, my loss, I suppose. All right. Try it back later. It must be busy. All right. Uh, part go. two. A man accused of killing his wife said he was trying to exercise a demon from her when the devil entered his body and caused her to die. Well, that sounds reasonable. 60-year-old Jan David Clark has been arrested after authorities went to his home and found Susan K. Clark's body wrapped in a bed sheet with a cross and sword on top of it. Officers had gone to the house after being told that Clark could call a friend and said his 59-year-old wife was dead. Investigator is, uh, oh, he told investigators he had his wife pinned down, face down on the carpet when she died. He's being charged with murder and sent to jail with a $300,000 bail. They were just like an old married couple, said a friend. They would just roll their <laughs> eyes at each other. I never thought something like this would happen. Until the stabbing. Uh, uh, this comes to us from Remopo. Whatever country this might be. Where is Remopo? I have no idea. Okay, well, it comes from the country of Remopo. Oh, the city. A mausoleum group that held a religious ceremony involving 11,000 live chickens on a county property has been found for leaving the site strewn with blood, feces, feathers, and other garbage that has attracted flies and maggots. Uh, the ceremony, uh, the head of the ceremony has been found $3,000. The poor conditions were caused by this man's son who helped run the religious observance near the side of the long, close Rockland Drive-In Theater on Route 59 in Mosley. He was only 18. He was so young to be running a church. Uh, so this uh, killing of the chickens apparently is a, called a kaparit. It is a custom performed by some Jews in the days before Yom Kippur, which is a day of atonement. When a live chicken is held above a person's head and smung or removed in a circle three times. Do they still do this? <laughs> really? Honestly? Are you making this up? It just sounds... So hold a chicken above somebody... Well, I'm not breaking the people. <laughs> Somebody held a chicken above somebody's head and swung it around three times. God, people are dumb. The prayer is said so that the person's sins are symbolically transferred to the chicken. <laughs> That's very unfair to the chicken. So the, Seriously, what did the chicken do? So the chicken is then slaughtered and its meat donated to the poor. Who then eat so all the of its sinful, sins. <laughs> so the sinful dead chicken is given to the poor. Well, and then you've got this... And then you've got this chicken that's all sinned up that the poor people have to eat. I wonder if they tell the poor people that the chicken is filled with sin. This is a sinful chicken. <laughs> this chicken this tastes is a very, very bad hey, chicken. Hey, come over here for a second. Does this, does this taste like sin to you? I don't know. I can't put my I can't put my finger on it. I don't know. It's like I'm sent. It tastes like something venial. I can't. I don't know. I can't quite figure it out. I always feel bad for animals in these biblical stories because animals always get the short stick, don't you? They do. I mean, remember in the Bible when uh, there was that thing where there was the guy possessed by demons. Mm. And Jesus, uh, our Lord and Savior. Well, it, at least in that story, Jesus was nailed to the cross and not a chicken. 
Now, well, but do you remember when Jesus took the demons out of the guy and put the, put the demons into some pigs? Mm-hmm. Do you remember that story? We had so, too much time in this Well, there was like a guy in the church, and he's all like, whoa, I'm crazy. And Jesus uh, came in, and Jesus cast out the demons. And the way the story, you really have to hand it to the Catholics. They do, they do have a knack for writing. As the story is told, there's this guy who's filled with, you know, bugaboo, and... Jesus is casting out the demons, and at that moment, like, some pigs happen to be walking by, just on their way to, you know, eat some corn or whatever, and Jesus, like, casts the demons into the pigs, who are, are, of course, then killed and eaten. So animals are always just being filled with demons and then, you know, consumed in these stories. I feel bad for them. All right, there's uh, your religious nutcase watch. Yes. so here's what we'll do. Uh, We'll take a break. When we come back, uh, we've got, let's see... More meat tenderizing calls. Somebody with something trivia. Here's another call. This uh, this guy in line two, the call simply says, that guy's really wrong. We'll find out what that is, and then something else. Um, Jim Roop will be joining us from Los Angeles here in just a short while. Uh, Peter Carlin from the Oregonian at 220. More from Tim Riley. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. These guys are coming to town to drive by truckers. Stay there. Back after this. the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. Just a second. We'll talk to uh, Jim Roop from Los Angeles. Later on, Peter Carlin, TV critic for the Oregonian. Bottom of the hour, more from Tim Riley. And so forth. Uh, let's just get these uh, calls here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show, sir or madam, as the case may be. Hello, Rick. Hello, hi. Hello, all. Uh, okay, that guy that said you salt your meat and let it sit for a day, that's so far wrong that it's, it's crazy. So the guy was saying that to, to tenderize your meat, you salt it and let it, uh, like, lay around. Hello, Richie. Yeah, Richie's just a... Richie, I'm... That was Richie just uh, picking up that guy. All right, let's try that again. Hi, hello. Oh, hey there. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what, what's going on, yeah, but that's it's a, me now. Yeah, it's a little Richie that happened there. Yeah, um, a little Richie. All right, so he's uh, incorrect in the meat salting department. Yeah, man. You don't you don't salt your meat until you are ready to cook it. Uh, salt, what it'll do is turn it brown, and, and once you put salt on it, you can't take it back. So if you coat your meat in salt, you are going to be chewing on salt. Excellent. The way The way to... Uh, to tenderize meat is to apply a marinade. For simpler meats like, uh, or for lighter meats like chicken or pork, you you do a lighter, you know, herbs, seasoning, oil, garlic, things like that. Let it sit for a day. For meat, you want a little more robust flavor in there, a little, a little red wine. And the red wine, the acid in the red wine will break down the uh the proteins in the beef. That's that's what you need is acid in a marinade that will break down down the proteins and the sinew. You know, can uh, I can I just tell you this? First of all, I find sinew to be an unpleasant word. Secondly, does it seem to you? And I know I made an observation just like this about nine minutes ago. Th- this program is some sort of weird, like bizarro Wikipedia. We're just like, but it's sort of this. This show is sort of like a cross between Wikipedia and that "I'm feeling lucky" button that no one ever uses at Google. 
Oh, absolutely. I, I, learned more, I learned more from you guys than I do anybody else. But, I mean, you never sure. really know what it's going to be. Like, about 20 minutes ago, we had the whole discussion about the V miniseries from 1986, and now we're learning about beef marinade and how it affects the aging process of, of meat. So, I mean, it really is it really is a pretty random conglomeration of all universe knowledge here that we've got. So You got it. Uh, marinate, marinate your meat. Don't salt it. You can put a little salt in there. I got one more question. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm going to New York tomorrow to take my wife there for our 10-year anniversary. Sarah, give me one spot to check out. Oh, my gosh. Um, you rock. You're the coolest girl on the radio, so I figured I'd ask you. you. Where Where um, are you staying, How much sir? time do you have? Uh, we're there tomorrow through Sunday, and we've got a couple nights still open. We're doing a, broad, a couple Broadway shows, but, you know, we've got a couple nights and uh, and. Uh, Pretty much a full day unplanned. We kind of left it open. So okay, it depends how patient you are. The Empire State Building's cool, but it takes like six hours. Yeah, it's, it's a yeah, pain well, in the ass. Yeah, don't yeah, you whatever know, you unless do. Unless you're really stoked on it, don't do that. The Empire State Building is cool. Whatever you do, and you've probably been told this by people, do not go to see the Statue of Liberty. Whatever no, you do, we're not doing the we're not doing the cheesy tourist junk. We're going right. for like fun, like good bars, good good food. We're going to some awesome restaurants. Well, I you would, should really uh, go explore uh, Williamsburg. That's a really fun area. That's in Brooklyn. There are a lot of like neat shops, and you can see all the brownstone stuff. Also, go see Coney Island because it's one of the creepiest, coolest things I've ever seen. Uh, all right. Uh, also, just a, a couple observations. One is uh, there are. This obviously goes without saying, but there's a fantastic pizza there, and that you, if you have a chance, uh, there's a bit usually a line to get in. My wife and I waited about an hour to get in, but there's a place called Lombardi's. Which is, is that actually, the one under the Brooklyn Bridge? No, that's Grimaldi's. Yeah. I like Grimaldi's. Grimaldi's is good. Grimaldi's is good. Uh, Patsy's in Harlem is good. Lombardi's uh, is the oldest pizzeria in the United States. It was started in 1903, I think. It is the single oldest pizza place in the entire country. Oh. Uh, it's a good pizza, kind of a line, but it's called Lombardi's. But, uh, yeah, but Sarah uh, is uh, steering you correctly on those things, sir. You got it. All right. Well, thank you all. You have a great week. Thank you, sir. Enjoy your trip. There you go. That's uh, that guy going to uh, Manhattan. Oh, right. I'm so jealous. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, my, uh, we were really torn about whether to go to uh, whether to go to New York again at some point or whether to go to Vegas. I'm we going to New York did. again this year. Yeah, really? Are you? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen from Los Angeles, let's welcome yeah. Natalie Rick Emerson Show. James Roof. Hello, sir. How are you? Howdy. Okay. Sorry, I'm late. Sorry, I'm late. Not at all. I have to ask you, uh, did you get that In-N-Out burger yesterday after yes. all this beef discussion? Yes, I did. Uh, good for you. See? Uh, at, at, at 15 minutes after 2 o'clock, uh, my mouth was full of that. Oh, man. I got to... Uh, boy, I got to tell you, I really uh, am looking forward to this trip to Vegas, not simply because of the In-N-Out burger. My wife and I are going to Vegas uh, at the end of March. And as we often do, you know, because it's that whole thing about vacation food, you know, like vacation calories don't count. Uh, and True. so we're going to do the, uh, you know, just the the, the, uh, the swing through the in and out about nine minutes after we hit Vegas. I'm telling you that Smart. right now. Smart. Um, so there's been sort of a weird, um, there's been kind of a weird kerfuffle uh, on the CNN front today because it's like everybody we brought on was under the impression they were talking about something else. I made poor uh, Bob Costantini talk about the Toshiba HD DVD thing for like 20 minutes. Uh, because that's what they said he was talking about. Only but didn't be- you predict Blu-ray was going to win out? I don't think I predicted that. I think uh, we, I, t- we talked about it. I, I think you mentioned uh, you think Blu-ray is going to win out. I might have. It was funny, though, because Bob really gamely went along with it and talked about it, and then at the end of the call revealed that he really didn't know much about it and, in fact, had not been told that's what we were going to be discussing. He thought he was calling to talk about Fidel Castro. 
Oh, he doesn't so, know much about Fidel either. Well, I'm just saying, <laughs> he, you know, he, you know, he's a game day player, though. He really he, uh, love those kind of guys. He made it work. I a gotta, guy that can roll with an audible. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so Nancy Reagan, who apparently is just too tough to die ever. I mean, there's just no room that can hold her. Yeah, she's back home now. So she's back home. Uh, and so she, I mean, what is, here's a question. I mean, what do you do when you're somebody like Nancy Reagan? I mean, does she kind of, does she do the thing that, that Ronald Reagan did where she is, you know, out of the limelight and she is just doing the Carson thing of kind of aging behind the scenes or is she out and about? Like, does she do stuff? Well, yeah. I mean, she was at the presidential debate two weeks ago. Oh, that's right. Next to Schwarzenegger. I forgot about that. She didn't go to, uh... The Ronald Reagan Library on the cele- on the anniversary of, of Reagan's birthday, which was February 6th, she wasn't there for that. And many of us thought she was going to be there. That's right. I'd forgotten. She didn't go to that, but she's usually out. Yeah. All right. Uh, and then she's a tough old bird, man. And on this, uh, on this, and, and I apologize. We're, we're sort of we're going to have to uh, to bring the curtain down on this here in a, in a few. We're sort of uh, I'm sort of backed up against it today. But um, just, I a listener had a question about this beef recall, and it's something that I should have thought of, and that I really never did. And the question is. First of all, what time window did this affect? In other words, like when would this back to February 2006? Okay, I thought it was like a month ago. So, no, they just recalled that that much beef because it was re, it was revealed by, um, I guess they caught one of the guys, and or, or according to an insider or something, the two guys on the videotape knew the days that the beef inspector wasn't there. So. And what, so that's when they did that. What is the point of issuing a recall for something that cannot possibly be recalled? Unless the, recall- the issue was not about health. The, the recall was not about health. It was about the USDA being able to revoke the stamp of approval. Oh, I see. Okay. That's why, that's, see, that's why they, they reiterated a hundred times that the, the, the health risk is minimal. In fact, most of the beef's already been consumed. No one's sick. It's just the only way the only way they can re- revoke their stamp of approval is to issue a recall ah. and make them suspend operations. Okay, now it all that's makes what sense. that was for. So that puts, I mean, that's these people are losing lots of money. Okay, okay, all that's it's the only that, way to get them. Now it makes sense because really, I was gonna, unless you want to dig in a sewer, there's no way to get that beef back, my no. friend. That's that's <laughs> no. some beef that's gone forever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Unless you want to, unless you want to go looking in a uh, compost heap somewhere, <laughs> no that's a, that's some beef that won't be returning. Um, Jesus, I did see on CNN.com though this list of some of the items that it affected, and really, it's look. I know that this country is full of all different kinds of cultures and whatever, but just things that you never really think about, like tongue trimmings and beef spleen, hmm. as well as beef lips, beef cheeks, beef plates, whatever that might be, and apparently big boxes of salivary glands and lymph nodes. So. I mean, in case you were thinking about having, like, a lymph node kebab, uh, you know, like, sometime well, this weekend. You... In-N-Out Burger's fine. That's what I'm saying. That's that's exactly what I'm talking about there. All right. Well, I guess that's the end of that story. Uh, are you on tomorrow, my friend? Yes. All right. Then we will undoubtedly uh, speak to you. Then. Did you get the fries with the, uh, the double-double? Uh, of course. Oh. Oh. All right. And get, lots of ketchup. I, and, okay, ketchup. See, and I'm not with ketchup, but did you get, like, now what do you get? Is it, like, a soda or a, a shake? Oh, I get a soda. Okay, yeah. Shake, they, shake's a little too thick. You know, the great, if I can just... In-N-Out shake, you got to have that. That's a meal in and of itself. You know, can, the great thing about In-N-Out, though, as everybody knows, if you've been there, is you go there, and it literally is that you can watch, like, the potato come out of the sink mm-hmm. and then be, be peeled, chopped, cooked, salted, and handed right to you. Yep. I mean, it's just there's no other place on earth where you can do that. Ah, oh, all right, okay. And I gotta have to go back there. I'm gonna, say, not gonna go He's home and eat. Gun. Gonna go home and eat some craft macaroni now. <laughs> all right, we'll talk to you soon, brother. All right. There you go, James Rope in Los Angeles. Back it up with him. All right. Excellent. Fantastic.
Oh, all right. What are we doing here? Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi. Hey. Okay. Am I the only one who thinks it's weird that Pizza Schmitz is employing homeless people to give away free food? Well, especially because you don't know where those homeless people have been. Let's be honest. Yeah. And uh, how many of the coupons do you think actually made it to the cars? That's a good are question. Are them in money or food? Do we know that? That's a, that's all. Why they can't be paying them in money because they you would have to. You have there's paperwork for that. Like there's, I mean, as dumb as that sounds, there's like W two stuff that has to be done. Like you can't, like a, and she's gone. Richie, what's going on with the phone? I think Richie keeps jabbing the phone lines. Hold on a second. Let's. Mad um, dog. Yeah, I uh, I don't, I don't think that they can pay the homeless people with cash because again, I think that violates employment law. Right. Uh, so they must be paying them in coupons, but actually, I don't know if it's legal for a business to do that either. Yeah. And another thing, um, on a completely different subject, about uh -huh. six months ago, you were talking about your airbags going off in a random accident. Uh, well, not mine, but I was talking about that phenomenon. Yes. Well, you have to hit it in a very specific place, because I hit a herd of elk, and they didn't go off. Is but... this really a thing that you've been carrying around in your head for six months? Really? You... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Well, you know what? A... That's pretty cool. B, that's kind of weird. And C, yet another reason why I love this audience, because they carry airbag observations around in their brain. Right, right. And another thing? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know if that was you intentional know, or not. She's been waiting to do that, you could tell. <laughs> okay, that was really good. Good for you, Emily. All right. People are going to keep doing that, too, because every time someone does it, you're like, that's it's hilarious. Funny. It's funny. It really is. I mean, that's just funny. I never thought about that pizza. Now that's going to bug me. All right. Uh, let's see. Ladies and gentlemen, let's now welcome. I can't seem to find his sounder. That guy that we all. Let's now. With the <laughs> From the Oregonian uh, TV critic Peter Carlin. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you, brother? I'm well. How are you? How was your uh, President's Day? My President's Day? Yeah. It was presidential. Are you excited about the. Uh... I marched around in a top hat. March around in the top hat. Now, see, I choked there. I should have had something else. Click me there. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. March around in the top hat. No, no, I got nothing. Um, are you excited about the uh, the decision to endorse Blu-ray that all of the major companies have made? <laughs> you know, the other day, um, uh, Mrs. TV critic said, "What's Blu-ray?" And yeah. I was all. Ah, we were just having that discussion today that however superior that technology may be, it's a terrible name because nobody knows what the hell it means. I thought it was like the like those um, cell phone things you stick in your ear. Like that, a Bluetooth? Yeah. Don't you think that they ought to just buy the name HD DVD for the Blu-ray thing? Because at least that, like you hear it and you understand what it means. Well, here the question that, uh, that we have then is like, well, does this mean that like our current DVD player and, and all our discs are, are like... It's suddenly going to become uh, useless, well, worthless see, to us. And the funny thing is we've had this discussion a few times on the air with different people, and I can still never really get a straight answer about it. Like, yeah. I can't – no one will just come out and say, like, yes or no, or you will need a transitional device for a few years that will play both. Christ. Uh, it just <laughs> – that's what I'm saying. I'll tell you what, though, you know, and then right when you begin to, like, shake your fist at technology, uh -huh. I went to look for a new iPod because yeah. it's been four years, right? Right. And then, the, and then what I realized is that um, – uh, the one that I can get one, which is not only uh, $50 less than the one I currently own, mm -hmm. that, that, that what it cost me in $2,004, right. but 
four times as powerful. Oh, yeah. No, it's, Literally, uh, plus with video. It's, I was talking about this the other day, that with modern consumer electronics, you really don't buy them anymore. You rent them. Because, yeah. Because they just become, op I mean, you know, like my grandmother had a big Philco tube radio that she bought, you know, in 19, 1904 or whatever that she just mm. had forever. Uh, I, in the last 10 years, have probably, I think I'm on my fifth MP3 player. Um, just because every couple of years they come out with one that is so vastly superior, which is kind of dumb when you think about it, because really, like, okay, I mean, it holds, the one I've got now holds 10,000 songs and I think like 12 hours of, like, full motion video. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, why would I ever need to replace that with anything? And yet I know yeah, that I, I will. I want the full motion video. I want the, the, the video where the people have to sit very still while they, while they enact their dramas. You like where, the, where it doesn't where you want it where it pixelates every every second. No, the um, people it doesn't pixelate as long as they sit very still and don't and keep their hands in their laps. Uh, the uh, the they have to, you have to sit crisscross applesauce. The okay <laughs> that stopped you in your tracks. I really had no I I had no as uh, Meg Ryan said as in Joe versus the volcano. I have no response to that. <laughs> um, hey, have you seen Wire episode eight? <laughs> Tell me what happened in it. I don't know it by its proper name. Um, it's the one that just debuted on On Demand last night. Is it next week's or it something? Is, it is this coming Sunday's episode, oh. but it's on On Demand right now. Then maybe I haven't. Oh, dude. it's Okay, I'm not going to spoil anything. Is because, the, does somebody get wasted? Well, I'm not going to say anything about anything, but let me say this. So here I am the other day. I, uh, uh, there's a lot of websites, because I'm a nerd, uh, that I go to right before I go to bed. I do kind of a final sweep of the news before I get before I crash just to see if anybody famous has died. And so I'm sitting there at my computer, and I have two or three websites that I hit, sort of news aggregation sites that I hit before I go to bed. Um, <laughs> so sad. Go ahead. <laughs> It's whatever. Look, I'm not going to pretend to be cooler than I am. Um, so I'm sitting there preparing to peruse news sites. Yes, this God, is what I. This, this is a full life, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> this, this is what it's come to, huh? Well, you know. Ordinarily, I wouldn't say that drugs are the answer, but for you, I'm thinking a habit. A habit would be good. It would give your life some structure. A journey to the center of my mind might be just what I need. Something like that. Okay, go ahead. So, anywho, there I am. Um, and so this will make me sound like even more of a loser, but so I'm sitting there preparing to surf these news sites, and my BlackBerry starts going off. <laughs> And it's an email from a guy that I work with mm -hmm. who is also a big nerd and a fan of The Wire. And it's an email in all caps saying, <laughs> saying whatever you do, do not go to ain'titcool.com, which is actually just where I was about to go. You okay? OMG. You... Speaking of drugs, has somebody just come back from the dentist maybe today? No, but I just got a big cup of coffee. All right. Um, so, but but some guy had gone to this message board, and in the not even in the actual post, but like in the subject lines of his post, was shouting out like spoilers to the new wire. So, like I you know, immediately closed it and whatever. So, th this coming Sunday's episode had just premiered on a, on uh, on uh, on demand. So Yo. I watched it last night, and I got to tell you, um, it's uh, there's a moment that. Um, he, this guy sent me the email and he's like, I found out some spoilers and he didn't tell me what they were, but he did say he thought that they would sort of piss me off. Oh my! Um, and I got to tell you, there's uh, there's some things on this on this new episode of The Wire that really kind of come out of nowhere. It's something I was not expecting to happen. Um, 
And it is one of those things, one of those sort of post-Sopranos things where they just grab your expectations and then just defy them. Hmm. I cannot see how they're going to wrap this up in two episodes. And maybe they won't. I mean, maybe that's part of living again in this post-David Chase world is that they just don't feel the need to resolve things. Well, it's, um, I don't know. Now you've peaked, peaked my interest. No, but I mean, do you agree? Is it going to set me back to watch it on on demand? Uh, no, it's free. Well. Yeah, you don't have to pay anything. Well, Maybe there you go. Say, all it costs you is an hour of your life. You'll be one hour closer to death, Peter Carlin. That's all. <laughs> maybe maybe even just 49 minutes it's or exactly so. the way to look at it. Well, uh, so I, I just a bit – I mean, you know, no matter what they do, unless the last episode is like 14 hours long, there's just no way they can sort of run out all the different story arcs. So Wait, so does something completely – like a whole new story arc begin or something? It's such? not uh, – let me put it this way. How do I put this? Um, I don't know. It is not that a whole new story arc begins. It is that one story arc uh, quite unexpectedly uh, resolves. I'll put it that way. Somebody gets killed. I'm not saying a thing. I'm saying one story arc suddenly and kind of unexpectedly just uh, is no longer. Some dude gets a cap busted. See, why do you why do you have to try to pry things out of me like that? I'm not saying anything, Peter Carlin. So anyway, so I can't I can't see how they're gonna to try to wrap everything up. But you know what can you do? Um, I don't know. <laughs> All right, moving on. Um, hey, just as a side note, uh, Andrew, because I read this, and I know that I'm talking about something like that you wrote like 40 years ago, but you wrote this piece about that uh, Moment of Truth show. Yes. Which, here's the thing about it. I, I had never watched the show, but reading your article in which you sort of Patty Chayefsky style kind of excoriated it as being like the most morally bankrupt program on television, that mm -hmm. sort of makes me want to watch it. Oh, right on. But, I mean, you really did, you, you did everything but paint it as one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. I mean, it was sort of like pestilence, famine, war, moment of truth. And so that kind of does make me want to watch it. Well, check it out sometime. Just don't uh, patronize any of the advertisers. No, no, I'll make sure or not some to do such. that. I don't I mean, know. Now, is it just, is it celebrities are on the show too, or is it just normal folks? So far, it's just normal folks. Because they've done that, you know, kind of that stunty thing of saying they wanted to get Roger Clemens or somebody on there to, you know, to whatever answer his steroid questions or something. But, um, but I, I mean, is this, I mean, so is, is, it, is it a Fox? Pro it almost has to be on Fox. Oh, yes, I mean, sir. that just sort of the thing, that just screams Rupert Murdoch somehow. So... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let when they ask... lead, you know, all the ads. I was watching the ads on the uh, Fox website. You know, they, you know, they have their promo reels that they've been like the the ads have been running on the air for months and months, and they talk about in January controversy comes to Fox. Right. And it's like again. I mean, it's constantly. Now, do you watch that show still, or did you just watch it long enough to sort of be appalled by it? I watched the first three episodes. All right. Now, do you feel compelled to watch more of it? God, no. Have you have you pulled yourself out of the muck? Um. Well, I just waded over to a new part of the muck. All right. That's my thing. <laughs> You've moved on to uh You're on. Never mind. I don't even know. I'm trying to be waited today, and it's just not coming together for me. Um, before we wrap this up, uh, you know, I went through this whole cycle of asking all of our uh, regular guests and so forth uh, their favorite Billy Joel song. So I will not once again go down that road with you. What I will ask you now, Peter Carlin, as we wrap up this segment, Peter Carlin, what are your three Dream Jeopardy questions, categories? Your three Dream Jeopardy categories. I, I'll take favorite Billy Joel songs for a hundred. Well, I got I got favorite Billy Joel songs. I'll tell you them all. Have we had this discussion already, though? Maybe you... once. <laughs> okay. Um, they're all on uh, the Nylon Curtain, which I think is his best album. Okay. And so you got your Laura, which is a great song. Right. She's right on time. Is a great song. 
And um, please don't say goodnight, Saigon. Oh God, no, 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 no. That's a, I, I skip over that. Okay, I was going to say because that really is the that's, that's a the, bad song. It's, it's the a Achilles, very bad song. The Achilles tune there. It really was. And then I saw him play on that tour. It must have been in '84. It must have been right after he it was at the Memorial Coliseum down here. And uh, the roadies came out to sing in the chorus of mm-hmm. Goodnight Saigon, dressed in like... Um, oh, God. Uh, yeah. In fatigues? Could... Really? Yes, oh. in fatigues. <laughs> That's awkward. That makes me cringe just to like visualize it. Because I was thinking, I was wondering in my own mind then, in my own collegiate mind at the time, I was thinking that it was time for a little revisionism on Billy Joel, that maybe he was way cooler than anyone no. thought, because no. I liked the last two records, right? No, that's not true. I know. And then when they walked out with the fatigues, I thought, eh, nope, cancel no. that. And, he, and he, here's the thing about Billy Joel. Do you share this sort of assessment? I know a lot of people have, sort of feel this way, that, and he, you know, he's an amazing artisan. You know, he's a, the, in terms of song craft, he really is, is, is very, very talented, but... And I've never met him. I don't really know anything about him. I've never had a conversation with him. But you just can't avoid the sensation that he's a huge dick. You know, that's the one right there. I was about to say it, yeah. only only in a way that I wasn't going to get bleeped. No, no, he's just a jerk. No, you can say that. Oh, really? Yeah, he's just a he's just an ass. You get the feeling he's just a jerk. Well, it's tough being. I think he's a. Well, yeah, you're right. He is, and I think <laughs> um, he's got tons and tons of unresolved issues. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And I don't know how much fun he is to hang around with. Well, yeah. All right. Well, I won't know because I'll be at home reading news aggregation sites most before bedtime. <laughs> Late at night. Yeah, there you go. It's a callback is what that is. All right, bro. All right, man. Talk to you next week. There you go. Later. No, I thought about Friday. Are we, uh, oh, what? Turn off that d- damn music, <laughs> you kids. Am I coming That's in? Right. On... That's right. You're coming in Friday. I forgot about that. Did, or did we just blow everything I was going to say? <laughs> no, I forgot. So you will be in the studio. I with mean, us. I don't have to. I've got other stuff to do. Oh, oh no, Peter. Quit being. You don't want me. Can I be invited any... to your pity party? <laughs> <laughs> can I wear a funny hat? Uh, come on, you can come in and we can dork out about Lost. Okay. All right, so we'll see you Friday at a time of your choosing. All right. Excellent. There you go. Thank you. All right. Read him in print in the Oregonian or online at OregonLive.com. Tim Riley, have ye news for us? Yes. Excellent. Jesus. What a weird day again. All right, back after this with Tim Riley. More of your phone calls. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Program. 503-733-2970. Ladies and gentlemen of the Ministry of Truth, Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. So I have all the rules here for the 30-day sex challenge. You may want to write these down. I gave them to you in a handy booklet, which is for... Oh, the 30-day sex challenge. Number one is affection. Expression of love in words, cards, gifts, hugs, kisses, and courtesies, creating an environment that clearly and repeatedly expresses love. Number two, sexual fulfillment, a sexual experience that brings out a predictably enjoyable sexual response in both of you. That's exactly what I want, is a predictably enjoyable <laughs> response. Conversation, talking about the events of the day, personal feelings, and plans for the future, showing interest in your favorite topics of conversation, uh-huh. balancing conversation, using it to inform, investigate, and understand you. 
and giving you undivided attention. So you're expecting your partner to talk about things that they know that you like? Yes. Number four is recreational companionship, developing interest in your favorite recreational activities, learning to be proficient in them, and joining you in those activities. Uh Five, honesty and openness. Revealing positive and negative feelings, events of the past, daily events and schedules, plans for the future, not leaving a false impression, answering questions truthfully and completely. Number six is an attractive spouse. <laughs> Let me repeat that. An attractive spouse. So God demands that my spouse be attractive. That's mm-hmm. a need. Attention men. Uh, keeping physically fit with diet and exercise, wearing hair and clothing in a way that you find attractive and tasteful. Jesus. Financial support. The provision of financial resources to house, feed, and clothe your family at a standard of living acceptable to you, but avoiding travel and working hours that are unacceptable to you. Really avoiding look- travel? I'm looking yeah. looking forward to some of these here where it's got like workbooks and questions. You don't yeah, want to know how the rest out. of the world works. How's, here's a question. Babe, it says here, yeah. babe, babe. Why don't you let me wash the sink full of dishes, then I'll finish the night off with a foot massage. I love the recommended readings also. The thrill of the chaste, finding fulfillment <laughs> while keeping your clothes on. It's like they're reading my mind. Domestic support, creation of a home environment for you that offers a refuge from the stresses of life, management of the home, and care of the children. If there are any at home, oh, including ones not limited to cooking meals, washing dishes, washing the ironing clothes, housekeeping. Number nine, family commitment. Schedule sufficient time. And this sounds very Mormonish to me. Energy for the moral and educational development of children. Read to them. Talk to them about frequent outings. You Develop know, a skill. You know, Sarah, it says that women often feel out of touch with their sexual sensuality. Sometimes, uh, yeah. And it's all her fault. Sometimes uh, social upbringing makes a sensual thoughts the last thing in a woman's mind, Sarah. Oh, my God. Everyone has their expectation for the after-sex moment. <laughs> Write out what you would like from your spouse after sex. Jesus, really? And that this is they've got a workbook for every single day. Admiration, respecting, valuing, and appreciating you clearly and often. How often do you feel, uh, I'm sorry, how open do you feel about sharing your fantasies and desires? How open do you think your spouse is to sharing their fantasies and desires? Who takes the dominant role in the bedroom? Reverse the roles one day and see how it goes. Oh. If she initiates sex... Then let him try to initiate. Buy a strap-on and a harness. (laughs) Has there been any rejection in the past that prevents you from being even more transparent with your partner? Open up the hot stuff bag. (laughs) (laughs) Use blow-on body glitter. Jesus. Ugh. Make a list of things... Men, help your wives understand what else a man thinks about other than sex. Make a list of those things so that she... uh, Make a list of those things that she can do to reinforce your manness. Oh, God. This goes with manness, too. Men often forget the daily chores, helping with the kids, a special note, or a prayer closing out the day. Things that will help a woman feel loved. Sure, these things don't lead to passionate, screaming sex, but women need them nonetheless. Ladies... What? I'm sorry? Back up. Sure, these things don't lead to passionate, screaming sex, but women need them nonetheless. Ladies, describe in detail those things he can do to help you feel loved and feel like a lady. Even though he doesn't help out in the house or give you anything. <laughs> Even though he's a dick. <laughs> Even though he's a jackass. What can you do to satisfy your Even man? though he's a jackass who just wants to hump you and go eat fish sticks. We know sticks. that he forgets about the children and the chores. We know that he's, we know that he's an inconsiderate uh, bastard. Perhaps another child will solve that problem. How are you making... (laughs) The children are lonely for more. Oh, God. And then the saddest, the saddest sentence in any relationship guide. You know this is true. I see the one that you're talking about. Have you considered scheduling sex? Unless you're Dick Morris and it's going to involve a woman putting out cigarette butts on your ass. Uh, Really, scheduling sex is never exciting or uh, erotic in any way. Jesus. All right. This is never ending. It's the gift that keeps on giving. It is. Oh, God. Describe what is important for you during foreplay. 
including appearances and emotional disposition. They make it sound so spontaneous and fun. What signals do you go off letting your spouse know that you are interested in lovemaking? Really? I think Sarah and I have shared this before. That Sarah is Sarah. Sarah and I uh, both share the dislike of the words lovemaking and intercourse. Intercourse. I hate the word intercourse. Ugh. All right. Well, is that enough news giving for one day, Tim? I've given enough. Reno, we're gonna we're gonna revisit this every day. We're gonna revisit this every day for the next thirty days. Sarah, <laughs> uh, is this day one? Jesus. We'll see. Yeah, because we're on different spectrums. Because you're married, so I'm I'm not gonna be having the sex, and you're going to be having plenty of it. Sarah, the popularity of casual recreational sex is at an all-time high. Sarah, what makes this lifestyle appealing? I don't know, Rick. I don't exist in the church because I'm single. Apparently, you can read Proverbs 16:25 and it'll tell. Oh. All right. The Bible can solve all your problems. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley, greatest newsman in the history of the uh, world, back at four, five, six, and seven, top of the hour, all the way through. Like us. Uh, how? Let's see. Uh, you, you, how long is this next break? You just, uh, you oh, it's pretty short. Time. All right. Uh, do I have time to play something that's like a couple minutes? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm going to play a uh, a little song here. I wrote kind of a blog post about this uh, this weekend. Um, and I, I felt kind of bad, actually, because a couple weeks ago, I, uh, I think it was Morgan herself, Morgan Grace, had sent me an email saying, like, hey, I'm going to be playing it. I read your blog about that. That was very that was very well written. Yeah, she sent me a thing saying, hey, I'm going to be playing it. This thing, can you pimp my show? And, and I mentioned it, but it's like it, I'd never really I'd never really listened to her music. And it's like I avoided it. But it, you can read my whole thing about it if you want to. It's at rickemerson.com. Um, but I just, Sarah and I are both, uh, Sarah and I are very similar in that we both get a lot of, music put into our hands. Maybe people send us stuff and they send us links and check out my MySpace and which is not like I'm complaining about it. It's just that the only bad thing about it is I think both of us receive more music than we could ever listen to. And I always feel bad that I don't have time to listen to everything. It's not like everything. when you fancy or busy. It's like CDs get stuck under things and you never get to see it. And I don't want to be one of those guys like a music director who's sitting there scanning through everything for 30 seconds, like listening for the hook or whatever. So a lot of times bands or artists or whoever will give us stuff, and I just don't get a chance to listen to it. Um, anyway, so uh, I, you know, I'd obviously heard about Morgan. She's, you know, she's one of those people that everybody said, oh, you got to check out Morgan Grace. And I'd never really... Uh, listen to her music. So uh, this weekend I was just kind of surfing around just looking for new stuff to listen to and her name kind of popped into my head maybe because of this thing that she did, this email a couple weeks ago. Um, and I don't really know what I was expecting, uh, but it was really uh, exceptional. I mean, it was really, truly beautiful. Um, so you can find out, uh, you can listen to her music at uh, myspace.com slash Morgan Grace, M-O-R-G-A-N, Grace, uh, myspace.com slash Morgan Grace. Uh, she's got some CDs and there's some demos. So I'm going to play one of those songs and this is just a demo. I mean, it's just a you know, I don't even. It's not even like a mastered recording uh, that she just put up a couple uh, a couple days ago. So this is uh, this is about as perfect uh, as as a pop song can get. This is called Valentine. Uh, this is Morgan Grace on the Rick Emerson Show. Back after this, don't go anywhere.
How great is that? Wow, I've never heard that before. Isn't that incredible? That's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, so that's Morgan Grace. You can find out more at myspace.com uh, slash Morgan Grace. Uh, back after this on The Rick Emerson. You put everything... Uh, we now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of The Rick Emerson Show. We never did find out why there are no basements in Hawaii. There are no cats in America. The streets are paved with cheese. That is so what I was thinking, too. Really? Yeah. Nerd. Right. Tomorrow I'm going to bring in a Bible and we'll find out why casual sex is so appealing. There's are the... we going to look up the, the helpful hints from the Bible? Yes. To solve the questions? Yes, we are. Humping married? No one. Humping your way to Jesus. Uh, if your spouse... Oh, God. Okay, wait. Here we go. Married. Oh, this is for married folk. Day 20. If you stood in front of your spouse naked, what thoughts would go through your mind? Do you think your spouse would be surprised by your thoughts? Read Colossians 319. Ugh. All right. Yeah, I can't look at any more of these. They're just hideous. All right. Uh, we've got a time for a, a few calls here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello, Rick. Hello, you. Hello. Hello, me. Uh, yeah. I wanted to talk to you about the wire. Yes, sir. Uh, well, I, I had to turn off the radio because I was afraid you're going to... Now, listen, would Rick Emerson do spoilers, that? You know? Would Rick Emerson spoil? Please, how long know. have we known each other, whoever you are and me? How Would Rick Emerson do that? I hope not. No, Rick I don't Emerson? have on-demand, that's why. You know, oh, yeah, no, no, no. So here's here's the thing. That. Now, I won't spoil anything, but I will say, uh, if you get on-demand, they post the new episodes one week early, and it's free. You know, huh. you just uh, hit the button or whatever. So, uh, so episode 8 is out there, so I will say this. So beware of, like, if you read message boards or something about The Wire, because uh, last night's episode has been seen by a whole bunch of people, yeah. and uh, there are spoilers to be had. I will not reveal them here, though. Yeah, I'm trying to be really careful. Uh, I was on YouTube. I was watching the opening for uh, the season 5 opener. Yeah. Uh, the, the song and everything. Yeah, that and, Steve uh, Earle song, yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, some jerk posts posts a message about what happens on episode nine, and I read it before uh, oh! before I could even re- realize what oh, I was reading. Now see who does that? Who spoils the wire? Know. Well, you know, it's like, so I'm, I'm really hoping uh, they don't know what they're talking about. Well, but... see, but here's the thing: I, I think that some of those are fake because the deal about the season, so. about the episode eight spoilers is episode eight was out there; it it, it had already gone to on demand, so it's. Uh, plausible that people would have those. A nine and ten haven't leaked anywhere. You know, Peter Carlin's a TV critic, and he hasn't even gotten those screeners yet. So I think episode nine and ten spoilers are probably BS, but beware nonetheless. Oh, thank God. Yes. All right, sir. Yeah, thanks. Thank you, my brother. All right, there you go. Uh, yeah, that opening song is a Tom Waits song uh, that uh, they've used the same song every season, but a different version each year. And uh, this year it's by Steve Earle, who plays Bubs's, uh, uh his sponsor in... Uh, that 12-step program. Ah. I, uh, final call of the day. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Please don't suck. Hey, Rick. Yes. There, there are basements in Hawaii. Are you sure about that, sir? I asked a guy who was born and raised in Hawaii. All right. And so he had a basement. He said there are some houses that have basements. All right. So maybe this uh, person I was talking to is either ill-informed or perhaps uh, they were speaking for their own experience, which is not reflective of the Hawaiian experience as a whole. Quite possibly. All right, then. Thank you, Thank sir. you, Rick. All right, thank you. Oh, that was okay. Now, do I want to chance it with one more call? Uh, we do have 15 seconds. Let's do it. It's going to be a mistake. Hi, final call. Don't suck. Yeah, hey, uh, didn't Laurel Roberts die from mad cow disease? Oh. One more thing. Yes. Yeah, okay. That was already... You can, that's funny if it's, uh, there's some space you, between Nobody us. can do that before you. I, oh, I, re- I regret suggesting that we take that last I call. regret everything. Yeah, I, that's never a good idea. All right. Well, whatever. 
Um, it's like, you know what it is? It's like the wafer-thin mint that, that Mr. Creosote eats. All right. Uh, we want to thank CNN Radio correspondents James Rue, Bob Noodles, Constantini, and uh, Ed McCarthy. Join us tomorrow on the Rick Emerson Show, where we will talk to, among other folks, Lisa Desjardins. Uh, Rick Emerson Show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM970, Solid State Radio, proud part of the CBS family. In the newsroom, Tim Riley on the phones, Richie Bristol. Dave Zinn is the gatekeeper. Our webmistress is Bridget from upstairs. And, of course, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan. Don't F with her, Reynolds. Uh, like us next, Donna Mike at 7. Uh, see you all tomorrow at 11 a.m. Thank you for listening. Uh, I'm huge. Bye. I regret nothing.